right, Dan. Welcome, man. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me. You live in Naples, right? Yeah. Yeah. Live in What's Naples, it been like far. down there since the hurricane hit? What was that, uh, two weeks ago? Week yeah. Ago? Yeah. It's, you know, it's funny right now in East Naples, they're, uh, we're doing all this cleanup. We're doing a lot of um, stripping houses out, getting all the water out and stuff like that. But uh, down in Gulf Shore, which is the, you know, more stout, more richer part, I, I seen it today. It was a wreck. And really? yesterday, yeah. Yeah, I was down there working, and they're not so quick to clean it up. It's almost like they're cleaning the, the poorer parts up first this time. And yeah. That's, that's the first time that's ever happened. All I see is the, yeah. obviously, like, the pictures and videos on social media and stuff yeah. like that. And I saw, like, yeah. one bridge was completely demolished, and yeah. then there was, like, houses that were Captiva, all that down there is, is Sanibel. Mm-hmm. I, my buddy's got a bunch of stores down there. They're all wiped out. He was flying around in a helicopter taking pictures. I got a bunch of pictures of it. But the whole causeway is knocked out, you know. So what was it like driving up here? Um, for people that nothing are listening, on, nothing on seventy five that I seen. Yeah, but go ahead. So yeah, I was gonna say people that are listening. Dan lives in Naples, which is uh, we're in St. Pete right now. So he lives what? You live like three hours three directly hours. south of us. Yeah, which is almost exactly where Hurricane Ian made landfall. Yeah, yeah, Fort Myers where it came <laughs> in, and uh, we got we got hit with the flooding real bad, like quick. My sister and. Uh, my nephew got wiped out completely. There was like five feet of water in their place in no time. Like they were calling me saying, come over. We got power and I'm down, down Naples. I'm right on the beach. It didn't hit around my place, but the water came in and it came up. The whole East trail was just like all those houses flooded, all those first floor houses, five feet of water in like two minutes. It's so crazy how, depending on which side of the storm you're on, the fucking, because of the counterclockwise rotation, if you're south of the storm when it hits land, you're going to get flooded. Yeah. We were north of the storm when it hit, so all the water got sucked out of the bay. Sucked out, dropped on us. It was the opposite. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Crazy, man. That's how Irma when it hit. Yeah, when Irma hit, me and uh, the guy we were just talking about earlier, we were on Gulf Shore, and the surge came in, and it died right down because of a cold front. And and it just came in five feet real quick, but it went right back out. But before that water came in, the gulf went out a mile. You can walk like a mile out. Yeah. And uh he got caught on a newscast or whatever. He was he was down there and uh and he was just walking around looking at the muck of all the, the gulf being dried out. No it shit. was a good mile out. You can walk out and the and the T V reporter says to him, uh Hey, is low tide usually like this? He goes, that ain't low tide. <laughs> he goes, I don't know what's going on, but you can never walk that far out no. on dry land, you know? I mean, muck, like, you know, sand all pulled back with the water. Irma was so. one of the craziest storms I've ever been through around here. I yeah. mean, we were terrified to hear, like, what it was, what was going to happen. Everyone right. was, and then, you know, it turned the last minute, I feel like. Yeah. And yeah. went... And because it was supposed to hit Tampa directly, mm-hmm. and it was literally maybe a couple hours before it just made a random turn right and went right. There was three factors that happened. We would have all been wiped out, like three, you know, just flukes, a cold front, some other thing. Mm-hmm. But it just made it to where it it changed the whole dynamic uh, just enough for for um, you know for us not to get wiped out. You know, and this time we got hardly any warning. We thought it was going to hit. Tampa or Fort Myers, you know, north of Fort Myers, they said yeah. it was coming in, but we didn't expect that <laughs> surge. You know, I didn't see it. I don't watch the news, though. That's my fault. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the news is everything they can just to fear monger. Yeah. And sell ads. Yeah. And it's never accurate. I mean, no. if yeah, it's never what they say. And if they 
do get lucky every now and then. It's, uh, you know, you can just get just as lucky guessing. So the yeah. worst thing that happened to you with Ian was you just got like five feet of flooding real quick. And- yeah, I lost a couple of trucks, but yeah, nobody got hurt. Uh, pulled some some people out of floods and, you know, st- some people were stuck down there. And uh, so what is it you do? What, like, what were you doing? I have a moving company. Okay. Yeah. And then I have a, a semi demo company too. I was doing that first because when I came okay. out of um, corrections or whatever, uh, being locked up so long, I really didn't have any legal ways to make money. Yeah. So I just started picking stuff up and putting it down like the, like the, you know, big muscle guy or whatever. I could pick anything up and put it down. So I started doing that. It just started making more and more money and people just kept using me. So. so you're, so what were you doing to help people after the hurricane? You're just like, like helping people get out of their houses, get out, get of, out the of the floods. Area. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Some of them, they were okay with drinking and hanging out there, but they were really? going to die. Yeah. They were going to die. Yeah. They, they would have died. And then, you know, my sister, it, they looked like a bunch of refugees running up to my car. Really? Yeah. I mean, like you're talking water and, and one guy went to the hospital with like a bacterial infection no from it. Shit. Yeah. He had like a bum leg or yeah. And we're cleaning his place out now and he's just a mess, but uh serious burning. He couldn't stop burning. And uh, so finally he goes to the hospital and, and yeah, he's got some serious infection from that muck or uh, what do they call that? Brackish waters. Mm. Yeah, yeah yeah man i mean fuck they got really fucked up in that one area but i keep i keep thinking like how much how many more bullets are we going to be able to dodge like especially right here in st st pete you guys yeah. in naples like right. you you can be just a couple like 10 to 20 miles away and get away from kind of like the worst parts of it right when you see like the photos and videos of um like the worst parts of irma or the worst parts of like even hurricane andrew mm-hmm like there's whole entire neighborhoods that yeah. got just f- demoed, yeah. flattened, totaled. Yeah. We were in a brand new prison <clears throat> when Andrew hit, and um, it was brand new, and now it's condemned. But uh, in Miami, yeah, yeah, South Florida, down, you know. So we got evacuated. We got sent to uh, Lake Butler, which is not that far from here. I think we were in the reception center there at that time when the Hurricane Andrew was coming, and they that place was wiped out i mean miami was a wreck homestead and all yeah. that right yeah yeah dude it was totaled yeah i heard you talking to uh the uh, matt on the other podcast about you know how they keep you kind of safe you know yeah he was saying that they're yeah. like the safest places yeah. to be yeah <clears throat> unless you're getting flooded yeah unless you're getting flooded and they they ship whole that happened to us too we got evacuated did they put you guys time. on con air no, no, no. You know, the funny thing is, though, I was indicted on some charges I didn't do. And they put me on this bus in uh, I was in Clayton County, Missouri, and I was wanted down in South Florida for triple homicide and an armed robbery. I Holy didn't do shit. it, but they they swore I did it. And they had people saying I did it. But uh, but anyway, I was I was running and, and uh, I'm on, they get me and I'm in the fugitive block on the eighth floor in Clayton County jail. And they come get me and they lock me up. I look like silence of the lambs walking down the street like a, you know, and I get on the bus and this, this bus, when you said the Con Air thing, that's what they showed. They showed Con Air lock up. They had like a, a Greyhound that was restored into a prison bus. And we're on this thing for like weeks and I'm traveling there. I ended up in uh, Cook County in Chicago, all these places. And I'm sitting next to this guy and I go, is everybody on here wanted for murder and armed robbery? And he goes, I'm wanted for child support. And I was like, what? <laughs> he gets up, walks away from me, you know. And uh, and you know, I get down to Naples and and uh 
this is a long time ago, but my daughter lives in, in, in Missouri. And uh, so I was going up there trying to, you know, uh, at the time she was still a kid. So I got, you know, trying to do legit, trying to do the right thing. I get picked up. It's like, you know, 500 cops hit on me. You know, they hit me at the place I'm working and they bring me back down. Like a month later, I get back to Naples and, um, and I couldn't believe the whole ride. And they take you to all these County jails to park you overnight or, you know, after so much driving, they have to stop at a county jail process you go process yeah yeah, you kind of sit in uh you know no man's land and and you don't get fully processed there because you're not staying but uh but so i go to all these different counties jail. i get back to naples and uh and but the whole way what was funny was they're showing all these breakout movies like (laughs) everything like they're trying to give you ideas or something you know they got you ever see the Sylvester Stallone lockup or oh yeah they're in and out breaking out of prison Mm -hmm. con air you know that and it was like I was like, what are they trying to do here? They're trying to encourage you to, you know, try some stupid, you know, uh, skate move because you're, you know. I you wonder know. why they do that. I, I, don't, I don't know. The, the people, they must have been minimum, <laughs> minimum wage workers that were driving these things because there was a guy and a girl. They were fighting with each other. And it was uh, it was like a like this is what we got here. And uh, it was just I don't know. It was So just, you got actually charged with this homicide? Yeah, I got. Well, yeah, I was. Uh, well, what they do is. You, you, they get probable cause. They lock you up, and uh, I don't know if they do this everywhere, but in Florida, they locked me up a lot first and found out if I was guilty later. <laughs> and so, uh, this is what happened to me. I got, they had enough uh, people saying they witnessed me being there, or me being around there, or whatever, and um, they had enough probable cause to arrest me and indict me on it. They didn't have enough to get me because an armed robbery, which I did do, I, I robbed this drug dealer. I didn't know you get arrested. for that. Yeah. <laughs> so I robbed this guy and, uh, <clears throat> you know, he, I, he's not a very nice person. So I didn't have a problem with it. And at the time, and I took his stuff and, uh, he called the cops on me and told him, you know, and, and, uh, and so I couldn't believe it, but so I get there and they're like, look, if you give us a three lie detector test, do a hair and blood sample, they took a hair and a swab, and uh, prove you didn't do these murders, and we'll let you go on this armed robbery, which I know I did do, and I could have got screwed. Right, right there, they could have got me for 40 years or something. And uh, I already had a priors and everything else. So I was like, sure, you know, let me get my lawyer down here. And, and you know, I couldn't afford a lawyer on these charges, but I had a friend that was a lawyer, and uh, he's always looked out for me. So he came down and made it all official. I only failed one question that had nothing to do with this, <laughs> but they slid it, they slid it in there and, uh, it wasn't, you know, it was a very generic, uh, didn't make me look too good, but it, I beat the, I beat the whole thing. So I ended up walking out on that. So, and that's happened quite a bit. Like, I think, I don't think they do very good police work. You know mm. what I mean? I think they do a lot of, uh, you know, they, they, they got like a force there and they don't have a lot of people looking into stuff. So they just kind of lock up who they think did it and hope they tell on themselves. Yeah. Somebody tells on you or something. It's getting better now. Like the more it was very, uh, in the dark ages down there when I first moved there, like 30 something years ago. And I got in so much trouble so quick, but, uh, yeah. So let's, uh, let people know like how this whole journey started for you. You, uh, I believe the story is you got sentenced to five years of prison at the age of 15. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. My first, how uh, did that, how did that happen? Um, I got into a fight with a, with a cop and, um, 
I was coming out of, uh, you know, someone's house at late at night, kind of snuck out of her house and I was walking home and, um, they said I was, they rolled up on me and said I was loitering and prowling. And I said, I, you know, I don't know what that is, but I'm going home. So this is the quickest route to my house. You know, I live here. She lives here. They wanted to call and her dad was, you know, Spanish and wasn't going to understand nothing. He's just going to know I was there late at night. So I just said, ah, well, it's none of your business. I'm going home. And I walked away and, uh, and he, horse collared me like pulled my shirt back like by my neck real hard and um i wasn't really thinking i just kind of spun and hit him and i cracked his jaw and uh yeah i ended up having to pay his hospital bills and everything you got some hammers for fists yeah i would not want to get hit by one (laughs) yo and i boxed a little bit and i was just quick with my hand i've always been real quick i don't look quick because i'm you know huge but uh but i just always been real quick my dad was quick and uh it's just uh genetic or whatever so yeah. I got in more trouble than I than I, you know, signed up for. And so I just ran. I took off home. They were at my house. They came mm-hmm. deep, you know, and then the judge kind of made a um at the time single single moms with their kids was not really something they wanted down there in Naples, Florida. And uh and uh not to make, you know, excuses. You sh- you know, you hit a cop, you should go to jail, but I kind of got made an example out of you know, I was a big kid, mm-hmm. about 315 pounds at that time, six, four in my ninth grade year. And um, so, you know, the the judge didn't have any kind of, you know, I just told the truth. I said, look, this was a fight and, you know, I know I'm wrong, but we can work this out. And he's like, yeah, uh, five and a half years. Good luck, son. <laughs> he set me on my way. And that was it. Yeah, and, that seems insane. Even yeah. for punching a cop. Right. I understand it's way worse if it's a, if you're assaulting a police officer, but just like a punch. Yeah. Yeah. They're very strict years. about that down there. Like you can't even get in a fist fight without catching a battery charge. Like that's probably normal now, but where I grew up in Jersey, I mean, a fist fight, you know, it was just a fight. Even if a cop challenged you in a fight and, and you know, and they said, you know, I'll put the gun down, put the badge down, they fight you. It was it was a total different thing where I was from than right. where I moved into. It That's was, wild. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty wild. By so the time I What town up, are you from? Uh originally? Yeah. Uh well, I was born in Camden and then I was raised in Newark in Jersey. In Jersey, yeah, right. Yeah. And then I moved to Florida <clears throat> though when I was fourteen. I think I had like one good year there and then I went to prison. <laughs> yeah. I won all right year. I did good in sports, but I couldn't concentrate in high school. Sports was the only outlet I had. So well, this is an interesting question. Mm-hmm. In your, if you could summarize it, what is the difference between Jersey and Florida? Oh man. Um, if I could summarize it, well, not all of Florida, but not necessarily yeah. not not necessarily like the geography or the, right. or the nature, but the people. The people, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. What is the difference in the people? I found my kind of people that I grew up with that I'm comfortable with in Miami, like inner cities, and I found that this is a nice place to live if you know how to live there. Naples or St. Mm. Pete, I don't. St. Pete actually has got a rough. Yeah, a lot of people don't know about it here, but I was caught up here one time at a concert or whatever. One dude got slammed on his head, and another guy got shot. I mean, this place gets off the chain. South St. Pete is pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another friend of mine got stabbed at a Cannibal Corpse concert. They stabbed him in the lung. Yeah, 
Yeah. What? Yeah, my buddy Steve. A Cannibal Corpse concert? Yeah, he was just moshing, and next thing you know, somebody stuck him. We, you know, I've been to a few Cannibal Corpse concerts. Yeah, yeah, to get off the chain. But but a lot of people think, oh, Tampa, St. Pete's, nice area. Same thing with Naples and Fort Myers. Well, we got tons of unresolved murders and tons of them that they just don't publicize. And I don't know, maybe I shouldn't say that because it's nice there, but but that's the truth. You know what I mean? And uh, and they just don't because. Uh, what do they call that? The uh, tourists. Yeah, tourists. Yeah, they don't want to freak part. everybody out. Miami too. Miami's off the chain. I mean, Miami's not even really Florida. Nah, Miami's a whole different a different country. Yeah, it's a whole <laughs> different world. I lived there for a couple of years too, but uh, not one good day. Not one. I mean, I had great days, but not one productive. Miami to me is like Vegas. Like the best yeah. two days there, the day you get there and the day you leave. Yeah. <laughs> now it is. Yeah. Yeah. I had a lot of good times. I had some good Cubans that were good friends of mine to this day or, you know, the, the ones that are alive, but, but they were thorough people. You know, What years were you living in Miami? Oh, let's see. 90 in the nineties, mid nineties, 96. All that, all that time crazy. was kind of a blur. I was out of my mind. Yeah, yeah, the early '90s. I've heard, I've seen some documentaries about Miami in the yeah. '90s and the yeah. '80s. Yeah, I was in prison there in the '90s, early '90s, <clears throat> and all those guys are coming in there from the worst of the, mm. you know, it just from the worst parts of society, you know. So, what was your early childhood like in New Jersey, and how did that shape you? Uh, that's a good question. So, I reacted. Uh, it was about eight years old when I when I identified a lot of pressure to um to live up to something you know what i mean i felt like there was a lot of pressure i had to live up to something i didn't know what it was you know and nobody gave me direction or um what were your parents like uh both good people my dad was a chemist um always working my mother was always uh cooking you know she had a place in montclair called uh, the gourmet pantry and you know good parents but no no real time with four kids to like, um, and we had a lot of like, uh, other kids living in our home too. Cause my mom would take in any, you know, sad case or anything like that. Mm. So everybody just kind of assumed I should know what I'm doing. And I had to act like I knew what I was doing. I felt like I did. I didn't know how to you say you're one of four. So yeah, one of four. I'm the third, uh, born, I guess. Mm-hmm. Second, my little brother's the baby and, uh, he's like 44 now, but, um, but yeah, I always kind of had to uh, know what I was doing. And I had no clue. Like, really, I was a slow learner. I didn't get nothing. Like, I didn't understand <clears throat> nothing. People gave me, like, my mother one time when I came in drunk, I fell through the door and I was a young kid. I was trying to impress this girl. Ended up puking in her face and she ended up helping me to the door and I I fell down and she's like, You're just like your father. And I was like, Oh, cool. I like my dad. <laughs> good too. It went right over my head. Like, and you would think I was some sarcastic. You know, but really I meant it at the time. I didn't know uh, nothing, you know, that's funny. Yeah. And nobody taught me nothing. Like I had to learn all this stuff, all those years in prison. I, I read a lot and tried to figure things out, but there was no real, uh, you know, there was people that tried to talk to me. Like they had me go to a shrink and an anger management school when I was a kid in Wayne, New Jersey. Uh, I threw a chair and hit this teacher because she uh, humiliated me. 
and I just whipped the chair and I hit her. I didn't mean to hit her. I was just angry. And uh, so they sent me to an anger management school and uh, Bobby Chez used to come there and, and they had this goat and they taught me how to box. So now I'm an angry kid who can fight. Oh, real shit. <laughs> so it was just, uh, you know, it just got worse and worse. They sent me to a therapist. And when I got to the therapist, it was so calm there. He'd have me punching a heavy bag. I was like, yeah, I'm good. You know, I, and then when I had to go to my house, it was like sometimes people be breaking in the window. Some weird person will be sleeping in my room. <laughs> you know, there was nothing but like trauma going on around me. Somebody's right. trying to steal a car. You know, they were big on stealing cars there. And, uh, you know, you don't know somebody's going to come in and cut your throat. You feel like you just feel a fear. And, uh, and, and so, you know, when I got to these places that I could have got help if I knew how to be honest about. Cause they'd say, how are you doing right now? Right now I'm great. I'm in this office. I'm right here with you. This is safe. You know, I got a punching bag here. What? I don't need nothing else. I'm good. But then, uh, I couldn't talk about what wasn't in this moment, you know? And so if you ask me if I'm fine right now, yeah, I'm fine. You know, I couldn't talk about yesterday or whatever. Cause I don't want to relive that shit. And I don't know if talking about it's going to bring it up again. So like you're afraid to afraid, full of fear, relive yeah. the past or yeah. think about the future. Yeah. Or piss on a good moment. You know what I mean? It, this is a good moment. Why would I want to bring that shit up? Not knowing because I couldn't trust where they were going. I didn't see the point in something, so I won't do it. You know what I mean? And you couldn't get me to do it. And if you kept trying to pry, you'd find out real quick not to do that. You, so it looked like I was confident, but all the while I'm batting off the only things that can help me because it's not my thinking. So it was a real, real trap, you know? So when prison went up around me, I was just like, it doesn't make any difference. I've been in prison all my life, you know? So, so the walls go up around me, but I was in prison my whole life. I have to be in this moment. Cause mm -hmm. you know, if I bring any of my real life into this, it's going to suck, you know? Right. Yeah. So how did, how would you say that growing up, at least until you were what, eight years old, growing up in Jersey, how did that sort of like mold you or hardwire you? Uh, a lot of ways. I left there when I was 14. When I was 11, I was working for these uh, gangsters out of uh, Hoboken. And uh, they were, at this time, they were doing legit, you know, rubbish removal. Mm -hmm. But their but their whole presence was kind of illegal. <laughs> just their whole aura, you know, just said, don't mess with these guys. So mm -hmm. I would go in and do these rubbish removal jobs. I was a big kid. At that time, I was like 11. I was 6'2", 220. And I'm throwing like furnaces on the truck. I'm having a great time because I'm making good money. He started me out 60 a day cash. And then uh, he goes, I'll buy you lunch. And I said, all right. And then I ate like 40 dog, 40 hot dogs the first day. He goes, I'll give you a hundred bucks a day. You buy your own fucking lunch. <laughs> I was like, oh, I got a raise. And it went right over my head that it was too much food. You know what I mean? Right. I was just like, oh, I must have did a great job. Give me a $40 raise in one day. <laughs> Cause I got, I remember it was Archie's on, uh, or JJ's on, uh, on, um, down in Newark. Mm -hmm. And I go, yeah, give me 20 cheese dogs, 20 chili dogs. You know, these are like one bite, two bite hot dogs, dirty water dogs, you know, mm -hmm. but it was like Christmas for me. Cause my mom, she only cooked healthy shit and, uh, I wasn't allowed to drink Pepsi or have, you know, toy guns or nothing. They were, they were a little strict when they were around, you know what Your I mean? Your parents were? Yeah, yeah. They would always steal. You know, I, I'd be on my own. My mother was. She, they became uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. No shit. Yeah. The only the only kind of Jehovah's Witnesses I've ever seen were 
them and another family. And the other family didn't seem judgmental. They were very nice. But our family seemed like they had to tell everybody <laughs> how to live, and we didn't know how to live. So uh, it was pretty comical. But but they had this thing where you couldn't have a, a replication of a pistol or anything like that. They're not allowed to fight in wars or none of that. So they Do you think that had an effect on you at all? Like, oh, big time, because it made me uh, – I love pistols. I love guns. I, I The only reason I think I love guns is because I didn't have any toy ones. So oh, I bought a real one when I was like 12. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, I'm hiding this. Because they would break them right in the right – the, and it was like heartbreaking to me because I wanted to play with yeah. it. You know? And uh, so anyway, I got this job just so I could have money to do my own thing a little bit because I – as much as it seems crazy, I didn't know how to do anything, but I wanted to do everything, you know, and I didn't let anybody else tell me how to do anything. So a lot of it was my fault or my, what you said, it shaped me into a very defeating way of living. Cause I couldn't say you're real good at, you're good at podcasts. If I said, Hey, I want to do a podcast. Uh, but it, don't tell me anything. <laughs> I'm just going to figure it all out. Yeah. And you go and give me some good insight. And I'm like, and I shoot that down. Yeah. That's kind of what I did with life. You know what I mean? I'd ask how to do this thing. Right. Then I'd shoot down the messenger and I'd come up with some crazy shit that told me it was the best way to go. Well, that I don't yeah. think that's a bad thing. Right. I feel like a lot of people fail because in life right. in all kind in all different aspects because right. they think too much about the future or right. the past. Yeah. And I feel like one of the like the craziest example of this would be I don't know if you saw it, if you're a basketball fan but the Michael Jordan documentary that came out on Netflix, I think. Parts of it, yeah. It's I forget what it's called. Uh, Last, Last Dance. Dance. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> One of the biggest takeaways from that was he talks about like not thinking about anything when you're playing basketball and you're doing everything you, you obviously prepare, but when you're doing it, you're living in that moment mm -hmm. and that's how you achieve your, the fullest potential you possibly can is just right. staying in that moment, not right. worrying about the future, not worrying about the past. That's the, I believe that's the best way to live. The problem is when you start out from a place that's not whole. Let's say Jordan he had a lot of demons too, man. Yeah, he does. And and that's the problem. Like he might think he's a success and he is in, in his own right. He's, he's, you know, way more successful than probably anybody. But there's this success that I found is more important. Um, it's the success of like going inside and, and either living above those demons or, 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 or beating them. Mm. So, so I had ones and the guys that were, the guys that were influencing me showed me that power overrode having to be, you're always right. You could always be right. And that's no way to learn. So, so you got elements like the obsession of what you're into being all into it. I think that is the best way to do it. If you're into something, like I told, uh, like I said to Julian, like when I'm here with you, you're the most important person I'm talking to because you're the only person that I can transmit and receive with. Mm. So I take that very serious. And, you know, a lot of the the things I, I deal with people with is that kind of seriousness. Like they're going to, they're going to die if they don't do something about these problems. Mm. Some of them, you know, right, so, right. so it, in Jordan's case, and in a lot of cases, people don't have to beat their demons. They, they, they get enough success everywhere else. But if you're not a success to yourself, you're not living. Like, I don't think you're living and he might be, he might have conquered enough. And, you know, it looks like he's a well-rounded great guy, <clears throat> but the, the guys on death row that I learned this serious lesson that it's just growing. It's just a concept that when you're, 
when you're close to death, you think about a couple of things. And one of them was, did you live to your potential or did you help others live to theirs and how you treated everybody? Well, what I didn't know when that concept was introduced into my head through, through experiences that that's the wholeness I need. It might not be what everybody's interested in, but a legacy or, or contributing to the whole is something I, I feel is my greatest call. You know what I mean? And if I'm not living true to that, it doesn't matter how much money I get, how much success I get, according to other people, I'll always feel like a failure inside. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and I could, I can get to where it don't matter what you do to me. If that's not in question, nothing else matters. Like the pain doesn't hurt. I can deal with whatever. So that's my obsession. His might've been basketball or whatever. Mm. Um, and I don't think anybody's is better or worse than anybody else's. It's all about, do you like, do you like living to your potential or do you like people thinking you're living to your potential and that, and you have that choice. Right. Yeah. What, um, at what point, so when you, okay, go, going back to your story, when you were, you were 15 mm-hmm. and you broke the cop's jaw, you got sentenced to five years in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, five and a, yeah, five and, and you're half. 15 years old. Yeah. So you're essentially like living out the most important developmental years yeah. of your yeah. childhood in prison. What yeah. was that like? Well, you, yeah, you you manufacture and, and play with things in your head that you're supposed to be experiencing. But you got to live in your head so you can only think about the things you're supposed to be uh, growing in, your fundamental growth. So you're saying when you, say, when, when you say living in your head, do you mean by that like you're always being forced to think about the past or the future? No, what I mean is like, so your fundamental growth is physical, mental, all these things. Right. So you get a growth spurt. So most people out here would just um, experience their growth, growth spurt. Me, I would read a book differently or I would work out differently or I would come up with some new idea differently than being in a place where, you know, uh, people are just living their lives. I'm in a place where you're being told stuff and there's violence and there's, um, you know, you got to distract yourself, not, not experience life. You got to kind of distract yourself from the lack of life. Does that make sense? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So are you the youngest kid in there? And there, uh, at that time I was the youngest in adult prison. Cause I got, right. when I got to state, I was, uh, classified because of my size. They disregarded the youthful offender. And, uh, so I ended up in, which was better because kids my age were just off the chain. They were, um, you know, doing a lot of dumb stuff. I would have been, I probably would have been a lot worse off. I don't know. In some sense I would have been worse off in some sense yeah. I would have been better off, but I didn't like, I like reading, working out, you know, so it, it was fine for me. I had a job collecting in there because my mom didn't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. People didn't send me nothing. So, you know, I collected for guys. It was easy. It was kind of like camp for me, you know? Yeah. It seems like most people I've talked to spent quite a long time in prison. It's, they, they found some sort of ways. Uh, they I mean, learned to find a way to make themselves valuable. Yeah. To increase yeah. value, whether right. it be like learning law and like helping people with their cases. Yeah. Matt's example was, learned how to tell stories and write people's stories, made people, you know, there's some talented people. I know guys that can slam dunk from the foul line. I know guys that can create a picture that's more lifelike than the real thing. 
you know what I mean? There, there's, you got nothing but time to work on something. It's something yeah. it's, it's out of all the negative things about the prison system. It seems like it, it finds some of the best aspects you're able to discover within yourself. That's when, the when whole you, point of jail. Yeah. When you have all that time to just reflect yeah. right? and you have these boundaries you're living within, yeah. it seems like something, there's some sort of magic that happens. That, that's exactly why, you know, prison and jail was created. Uh, that was the good idea to let you sit with yourself and say, is this the way you want to live or not? Now, the problem is going back to distractions. Uh, they thought, oh, let's introduce education i got my ged in there and stuff it's all distractions if my last bid where there was no correction deemed necessary was the only prison bid where i changed really yeah yeah because and i wish it would have been the first one but i wouldn't have known it i would have blew it up you know but at that time i was ready um to change and i had a guy writing me that was helping me read certain things and and redirect my thought processes it was a really good guy i met through a through the craziest person I ever knew, but, uh, but somehow he always had a good heart for me and he introduced me to this one guy and this guy ended up, you know, giving me concepts that are still coming alive today. And he's been dead for 10 years or so, you know, when you met him on your last prison stint, uh, no, 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 no. I met him. No, before, before I went to this last prison stint, I was trying to do the right thing for a minute. Not on purpose. Somebody tricked me. When you were out. Yeah. Yeah. So somebody tricked me into going to a detox. I went in this detox and um, this guy came in. I thought he was a clown. You know, (laughs) he was doing, you know, good things for good people. And I I thought he was, you know, weirdo. But I ended (laughs) up, you know, I ended up getting to know him. I ended up staying on his food time for like six months. No shit. Because he had such interest. He was speaking to the inside of me without me having to know he's doing it. Like without me having to say it. You know what I mean? He was pulling stuff out of me and talking in a way that he knew where I was coming from. And and all I had to do was listen. And I was like, huh. And then so he did this about that. And he did this about that. And it was the worth issue. And there was this. He said all the things about his stuff. I got to listen to it and start practicing things. And then I got to see it differently. And uh, and the guy stuck with me up until his last breath. You know, no fucking. Yeah, where was this? This was in Fort Myers. Fort Myers. Okay. Yeah. In um, right before my last prison bid, so two thousand four, maybe. Yeah, I met them. Okay. Yeah, and then he, yeah, I was with him for a while, <laughs> doing good, and uh, you know, I went off on my own thinking again, and mm-hmm. and and well, I started using drugs again, and uh, and um, I went to prison, but he never gave up on me. He always wrote me, and when he was dying, I came out of prison. I was like, as long as I got him and my mom, I'm good. Mm-hmm. That's all I need. You know what I mean? And uh, both of them started dying of cancer like oh, immediately. No. Yeah. So I'm going to hospice back to her house, back to hospice up in Shh. Fort Myers. And uh, yeah, I was like, wow, if there is a God. He's got a weird sense of humor. <laughs> right. Ain't that yeah. The truth. Yeah. These two were keeping me out of trouble. And the only two that can do it. And uh, and uh, yeah, they both started dying at the same time. But he did get across to me all his experience. And it's still it's still even this this is what it led to like coming here and talking to people i would never do this you know what i mean i was isolated and i liked it you know mm-hmm. i didn't like it i just didn't like the react the the feelings you get from dealing with people mm. yeah that's interesting yeah so i'd much rather do a life sentence or death sentence i didn't care than 
than have to deal with all the uncontrollable var variables of dealing with people. You never know how they're going to act. You know, I like controlled environments. You somewhat knew what was going to happen. It was mm. always going to be shitty. It's a control thing, huh? It's a control thing. I try to control how I feel. The good ones I would chase, you know, till they were dead. And then the bad ones I would avoid, you know, didn't matter. I had to right. avoid them. And uh, when you build a life like that, you become deranged, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I want to get to that because I'm sure yeah. there's a lot of insight that you can provide from the people that you've met. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's go back to you're, you're doing five years. You started at 15 and you, so you, and you spend five years in prison from 15 to 20. Well, I got sentenced to five and a half okay. and then I, <clears throat> I broke a guard's jaw in there. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Perfect. Another, yeah. Another, uh, God damn. yeah. So I ended up doing two more and then that wasn't that bad. He was kind of at fault too. Well, at that time, every it was always somebody else's fault. I didn't do it. It wasn't me. And in retrospect, you know, you're supposed to have a timeline when they wake you up. They're not supposed to touch you. And I might have got around the timeline a little bit and hit them anyway just because I didn't like them. And, uh, and at that time, I was like, nah, he woke me up. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just swinging. <laughs> Oh so in retrospect i got what i deserved you know right. it, it, somewhat you know what i mean some of this stuff is just crazy but um you know because i've been like i said i've been questioned and indicted on murders i ain't killed nobody you know what i mean but i hung around people that were capable of these things mm -hmm. you know and i was always around them mainly because they made me look kind of sane you know what i mean and then we became friends and stuff but they made me feel okay with my fucked upness mm. for the lack of a better term you know because that's all you can hang out with to make yourself feel better you know right so how old were you when you got out the first time uh 22 you were 22 yeah and what did you start doing when you got out well i had a resentment against cops <laughs> so i played semi-pro ball i tripped on acid a lot because he couldn't do drugs and nice. uh yeah and then i would play play football tripping on acid i got invited wow. i got invited to <clears throat> come play for uh the Giants, which was my childhood team, and then I got in more trouble. Every time I was about to do something positive, uh, which in retro, like in hindsight, it's good that I didn't get no resources because I would have been a lot more dangerous than what I became. And um, if they would have put me in the NFL or something, I don't know what kind of damage I would have did, but it would have been a lot. If they hid my, my fear the way I hit my fear mm. on a bigger scale, I would have caused a lot of damage. That's something I think about a lot. Like, yeah. could you imagine hypothetically, if you would have been, that was the, that was the person you were. And now all of a sudden you're surrounded by people just enabling you, telling you, yes, yeah. you're the best. And on top of that, handing you millions of dollars, right? right. that person with unlimited resources oh. to do whatever the fuck you wanted. <laughs> it could cause some serious. I know what kind of trouble I would have caused. I got kicked out of prisons. So I knew <laughs> I knew that society wasn't. I knew they were kind of right about me being a menace. They mm -hmm. deemed me a menace. Kind of right. I, I didn't know because I wasn't malicious. I wasn't trying to hurt nobody. I was just trying to carry out what I want to do. But I just didn't care about laws or, mm. or guidelines or rules. Um and that's dangerous, you know what I mean? Because if you spread that out and somebody is malicious and they're a part of your crew, now you've just given them a pass to do that. So and you're kind of guilty too. Right. So that's, I didn't look at big picture stuff. I didn't look how it's impacting the whole. When I seem kind of like, um, like they're picking on me, you know what I mean? 
but really I've helped so many people now. Some people I won't take on because they're they're dangerous in nature. You know what I mean? Like the, the way they don't think of the whole. You know, if they're not willing to work on that first, I won't I won't take them on because um and I what I mean by that is walking them through their fears and getting them helping them if they're not willing to acknowledge first that this is dangerous to the whole. You you know what I mean by that? Yeah. Without being too descriptive, let's say you know, somebody wants to get right so they can do what they do and doing what they do causes a lot of destruction. I won't help. They want to get right so they can do. Yeah. They want to, they want a clear head to be able to harm people or contribute in something that doesn't look harmful. It sounds it could be even legal. And, but to me, I know it harms a lot of people personally and I go on experience. I don't go on what theories about it or nothing. I go on what I, you know, can see and, and know from experience that that is a dangerous thing. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I know it because I've seen the worst cases of it. You know what I mean? I've seen the worst. You've seen everybody. Yeah. I've seen every kind of person there is not to say one's the same as the other, Mm -hmm. but if this thing leads to destruction 50,000 times, I'm not helping you get right to do this thing. Right. Whatever it is. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's hard to do, right? Like, how do you, how do you figure out which people can be helped and which people can't be helped? Like when you look at people and you see them going down the wrong, if they're on like a, a fucking pattern of destruction, uh, uh, either self-destruction right. or just destroying everything around them. Like, how do you know, like, can this person be taken off this path or are, are they unhelpable? Oh, nobody's, nobody's beyond help. And, <laughs> and I know that because they deem me that. Um, and, and it's just not true. Nobody is. But if the person's not willing, so here's the thing. I identify with many, many people. I've been, I've experienced many of those beginnings, knew where they were going. So when I talk to them, they say, you've had these same thoughts and you didn't do it. Look at all the money you can make or something like that. I say, well, this is the reason. And then they trust me and then they start to work on that first. Now, Mm. if they say, I hear you and they know I'm talking the truth when I speak to them. They feel it. They know it's true, but I have to let them go for a while. It takes a year or two to be get up the courage to work on that thing first. Then they come back to me. And, and the whole time, I don't reject anybody. I always help everybody. But I focus on what the real problem is that I see because I only know my experience. Mm. And I know where that's going. Now, I have been <clears throat> accused of being too intense or uh, so like playing around, like say somebody's horse playing. I've seen people get gutted over horseplay just joking around or being disrespectful i've seen guys get cut up that doesn't happen all the time out here but in my mind it goes that intense sometimes not so much now as when i first came out but i'd be like oh that clowning around right there is gonna get you killed <laughs> you know what I mean? and uh and i've you know i've seen it happen and um but it's not so intense but eventually if you keep being disrespectful and you don't check the temperature you don't know how people are doing you just come in playing around or you, and that dude's, you don't know if his mom just died or you're not checking the temperature at all. You're right. just thoughtless. You're probably going to get punched in the face a lot. You right. know what I mean? And, and so don't know how to read the room. Yeah. <laughs> read the room. Yeah. Yeah. But they go in oblivious. Like nobody could be, um, you know, having a bad day and just take right. it out on you because you, you were a clown. You right. Know? So I, I've been too intense in the past and, and I've learned to light up on that. But me personally, I feel like you should always check the temperature of a person. If they seem like they're down, find out first. Right. I'll just play with them. Yeah. There's also, 
you know, patterns in people that they can't figure life out or they're on like a destructive path, you know, they're, they're repeating a destructive pattern and they finally get back on track. They start to get, you know, they start to get on the right path. They mm-hmm. achieve some success right. and then they intentionally sabotage it. Yeah. Like they sabotage yeah. themselves on purpose. Like yeah. everything's going fucking great. You're on a right. great trajectory. Right. And then. Well, it's going great according to the person looking at them. Right. right. That's what it. Right. That, that's a big difference. That's what I like, was talking about. You see your friend like, oh, this guy, he's fucking doing great. He's yeah. making money. Yeah. He's fucking finally got his own place. Right. And then like. Then he goes off. Drives his car yeah. off a fucking bridge. Yeah. I see it all the time. It's because you're doing what's right by the people saying like you're going off reactions to people rather than a, a heartfelt, I'm doing this for myself kind of, right. but even though everybody's benefiting from it, if the person is not attached to what they're doing, they're better off being, uh, conf- you know, in conflict, um, right. talking their stuff out and saying, yeah, I hear you. You think I'm doing good, but the truth is I hate this. And the only reason I'm doing it is because you want me to do it. Right. And then get real honest and even though they can't take the action and say they're doing something destructive, they're using drugs right. periodically or right. whatever. Right. But you have to be able to accept them as they are or that acceptance doesn't get transmitted and it ultimately causes the uh, the breakout of, you know, like all of a sudden they don't care about your opinion anymore because their brain's driving them crazy because they're not recognizing and respecting how they really feel. The pressure builds and they're they're doing this stuff because they want to make you happy but they don't really want to do the work of making themselves happy you know and part of that is because when you go to saying hey dude i think you're an asshole for making me do this right now (laughs) you know what get a job yeah 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 you know like if they don't get that kind of honesty and do the right thing anyway that's what they can't handle it's not it's not keeping the the bad action down the bad action just happens as a result of not feeling accepted um, not a part of they feel alien because it's so easy for you to do it but i can't do it you know i can keep it going for a couple of weeks and months mm-hmm. but i can't keep it going because it's not me and i'm not honest enough to say how i really feel you know mm-hmm. and and so, so how do you get around that how do you you get a guy you get, you get a guy like me that knew all that stuff and not and got to a point and there's tons of people like me out there but you'll find them when you start doing it like you get Family will keep you the sickest when you're like that. You because they're really? the, yeah, because they'll accept you with your bad behavior sometimes and they'll yell at you constantly. So they slowly take away your life force while ex- like keeping you there. My mother did it to me by accident. She didn't know. You know, oh, what it's I mean? like the term they call like the devouring mother. Yeah. Yeah. yeah something yeah. like that. Yeah. Where they keep the because it because it's it's a weakness that they're or like a band aid. They're keeping their kid around. Right. Because it's it's they don't want to deal with the heartache of cutting loose, which is right. ultimately the best thing. Yeah. It's the, the only way they can do it is throw them out of the nest. You know right. what I mean? But it's, it's sometimes <laughs> they die, you know, sometimes. Mm-hmm. It, but that was happening regardless and and it might have happened more so because you you coddled the thing and it and it's not a tough love thing either because i deal with a lot of families of like addicts and stuff like that it's a it you have to know you're you're using courage that they're you're doing this and i the first thing i get them to do is practice what people are not so close to you know go somewhere and, and start talking to people and get real honest like you know what this mm, kid okay. if this kid dies i'd be better off because i'll sleep at night 
or if this kid goes to prison, like my mom was able to do that. When you're in prison, I feel safe. I feel like you're safe. Right. <laughs> That's what she would say. And I didn't really understand what she was saying was she didn't know how to detach from me and uh, still look like a good mother. You know what I mean? And it's ingrained in a, in a woman to, you know, not give up period. But right. when you got certain destructive forces in there, mm-hmm. they end up being your enemy. You know, they end up being the, the worst one to help you. Yes. For a time. Yeah. Yes. I've seen uh, that. Yeah. Oh man. It's, it's one of the most heartbreaking things to see and, and try to talk somebody through. Sometimes I don't, I don't like doing that because I feel like they probably hate me <laughs> yeah. for telling them this, but I got to tell them sometimes stay out of it. If you really want this kid, if you want this, you want what's best for this kid, or do you just want to look like, like you did it? Mm. Are you willing to play the back role and get the best benefit or you want to look like the great mom and have your kid die. Right. That's what it comes down to, you know, in some of those cases, but they're all unique. They're very, people are sick in different ways. People hide it better than others. And it's very difficult to get people to know. You could tell me the truth. I'm not going to judge none of that. And we can't get anywhere until you do. So it might take us six months of talking honestly before you tell the truth about what's going on and you might not even know it you know most of the time they don't know it right yeah that's fucking wild yeah how many people like this have you helped dealt with uh are you still doing it today oh yeah yeah i don't know i mean hundreds wow yeah like it's weird how many people are in my life because i never talked to really anybody (laughs) you know if i did it was just to get something or yeah yeah it wasn't right yeah but Yeah, when I when somebody asks me a question like that or I think like that for a second, it's overwhelming. It's way too many people. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, and I don't know how it all well, there's this there's this life force that seems to give you limitless resources to do it and time slows down and all that stuff. I don't know about really, but that's the only way I can explain it. Mm-hmm. That when you're on the side of life, you have everything you need to do it. But it is a struggle to stay on that without you have this whole you have this whole psychology and this whole mentality like you you see these people and you have literally been through all this you have you have it mapped out like yeah yeah it's it's experiential for sure it's not um, even though I read tons of stuff and all that and it all comes to the front of my head when I need it but if I tried to look smart. I, I would go right back to that dummy growing up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, I'll recite this or whatever. I'd be like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking right, about. Right. Yeah. But when I'm in that mode of, um, sincerity, humility, and, um, it, it all comes right to the front of my head. Everything I need is right mm-hmm. there. Like even when me and you were talking, I sensed, uh, you got a, you know, something going on that where you want answers to that truly and sincerely. You know what I mean? You could see you have an investment in that through friends or something. I have friends, yeah. Yeah, yeah, something. And and uh, that type of stuff only comes, like, I'm not interested in nothing else, you know, or nothing else pulls my interest in. Everywhere else, I look like a dummy. It's one, it's, it, I mean, dude, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a fascinating thing that, yeah. like, I have friends that, de- that are, that fit this description perfectly. Right. And, you know, it's a thing that it's like, I, freaking rack my brain over it all yeah. the time yeah like how how is this happening how does this guy fucking get go on the right path for so long like look how fucking good he's doing mm-hmm. like like clockwork 
once every five years, fucking right back down to zero. Yeah, I did it twice at five years. That's funny. Really? Yeah, that, that's the timeline. I went out twice. And when I say I went out, I went, I, sur- I, I gave up hope that I can change. You know what I mean? I do it for my kid. I would do it for all kinds of reasons. And it would look great. I would build up and everything else. But I was still missing that completeness of why I was doing it. Right. Yeah. And there was something pulling at me. I mean, hard. And and it would take about five years to get to that point where it was so unbearable that most of the time I gave up. This time I didn't give up because I messed up two major organs and I was just too lazy. That was the only reason. Right. It was just old age. And I mean, maybe, you know, this God or something intervened. I don't know. You know, I don't know. But. This time I stuck through it, and about three years after that, five years, I was like, "Thank God, mm. this is what they're talking about about mm. living." And, and you're one of the lucky ones. Ah oh, man, yeah. If you could live through it all, because the things I know, I know. Right. I don't have to go read a book or not. I just know them right. from doing it wrong every way you can imagine, and then doing it to the point where I can get a life sentence or a death sentence, and still doing it. I found out what works and what doesn't for me. But I do not suggest that. Like, read a no. self read a self help book. The survival but, rate's but not the, very high. Yeah, but the ones like me won't listen to that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the only people they listen to are people that did that. Right. So that's why exactly. I get a pull of a lot of people. I mean, it's amazing how many, you know, families and stuff I'm intertwined in and stuff like that. Because, um, I mean, if you read my history on record or anywhere it, it's well, not a good read last, but yeah yeah <laughs> it's not a good read for family fun yeah <laughs> but uh, it's like they love me i love them and it's so weird it's like a whole nother yeah it's yeah. a real it's a real human connection human connections yeah, yeah. and wow. i i over i thought that was the worst part of life was connection with others right uh, i really did growing up that's somehow i picked that up and i just thought nobody's to be trusted live in your head and only deal with people when you need some more material to live in your head Mm. because they're not to be trusted. Nothing's consistent. It's all going to go to shit. Like I had this negative outlook and uh, I don't know, I guess I just purchased it from fear and, and, uh, and the lack of control over my emotions. Mm. They were so, I was so hypersensitive and you would think I was like a stone killer. (laughs) Right. The way I walked and I didn't express nothing, but I just learned to do that because I didn't want nobody asking me no questions, you know? Right. Yeah. But the truth is I had like, I was ruled by emotion, you know? Wow. Well, you were also so young too. Like, dude, you were like, you might, I mean, in prison at fit from 15 to 20, I mean, your hormones are firing all cylinders. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I smashed his finger in prison and, um, and this nurse was giving me a sponge bath because they didn't want my hand getting infected because I'm a minor. I think right. they're illegally putting me in with adults and stuff, but whatever. Right. And uh, and so they're they're giving me sponge bath, and I'm like, I, you know, it was crazy how much I was like, you know, a bare touch or anything like that would just make me nut. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I did. I wasn't gonna say that, but yeah, 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 yeah. It was like, oh god damn it! And she's like, oh, that's normal. That's gotta like, be oh. fucking torture for yeah. a kid, man. Yeah, dude, it was a crazy thing. Yeah, yeah. Because I was, mean, I've heard stories about yeah. state. Like, I've heard the story. Uh, a guy I had a guy in here who was in state prison for a while. He's actually right. a friend of mine's brother, right. and he said that whenever a female cop would walk through, all the dudes would be fucking jacking. Yeah, because it's deprivation. Like, if you if if the idea of jail was what they wanted at first. Sit with yourself, think about what you're doing, you know. And of course there's people that 
exploit that and make it horrible and shit like that. But if you really had a place where you were just set aside from society, you don't want to be a part of society. Okay. Sit somewhere and see if what you really want, because you can't go around harming people, you know? And, uh, so if you had that ideal prison thing, um, I think it would work, you know what I mean? As far as like, you know, it doesn't even have to be called a prison. Like maybe just throw them in a cave unless they're throw them in a cave. Yeah. yeah, Or something. (laughs) I don't know. Throw them in a cave with no sensory, you know, because sensory deprivation. Yeah. Sensory deprivation tanks. Uh, uh, Joe Rogan talks about those all the time. Give them some mushrooms and put them in a, uh, a sensory deprivation. tank. I I believe that's where it's all going eventually. I think so too. Yeah. I think it's really, you know, that's just the way it's going. But, um, because not enough money in it though not enough money yeah yeah that's the problem they people put money over welfare and they don't realize that's a time bomb that eventually that your money's not gonna make any difference you know what i mean mm-hmm. that there's nothing there's only so many resources whatever yeah but the but the but not looking out for the welfare and helping things get better instead of people um it's a ticking time bomb. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> they even said that about the prison system. They said you keep locking people up for drugs, you got a time bomb on your hands. You're gonna have all these people in here who weren't criminals now are becoming they done some criminal acts, but it was due to a, a desperation or whatever. Crimes of emotion. And um and you're treating them you're putting them in with hardened criminals who are you know, chasing money like you're chasing the drugs and all this other stuff, and they've done this over and over again. Uh you're creating a time bomb. So, mm. so I think it was a governor or something back then that said that, but it's true. They privatize the prisons. They make money off of it. Yeah. You know, people buy a prison, Wackenhut, uh, George Wackenhut, you know, the, those guys are making money off of locking people up. Like right. there's an incentive to get locked, yeah. you know, lock people up. That's crazy. Mm. You know what I mean? But it is crazy. Yeah. Man. I don't get into politics. I don't feel like I got the right to, uh, talk about that stuff sometimes you know what i mean i don't know enough about well, it well you know more about the prison system than most people oh yeah <laughs> yeah the inside yeah yeah that. i wonder what the percentage is of people that actually get help like do better after prison versus the people who just don't the people who are either they fucking die or they never get out or they just fucking i don't know they don't get better i don't know the statistics are i should have never been out of prison more than a week that's my statistics as far as the state goes. I should have never been, uh, and it's been 15 years since I've committed it. Uh, well, fixing myself, I, I choked people. <laughs> Get, getting right took a little bit of bumping. You're still the same person. You're just trying. So, right. But the commitment and everything else, so it's been about 12, 13 years since I've gotten in any trouble or I think like that still, but I don't act on it. Sometimes I'll think about stuff. I'll be like, this fucking dude trying me or something. You yeah. know, it'll go through my head, but that's just old, you know, stuff mm-hmm. coming up. But it has no real emotion behind it. Mm-hmm. So going back, what was your question again? I'm sorry. I forgot. Yeah, I forgot. I we, were, we were on like five tangents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wanted to get to um, the religious aspect of your upbringing, though. Like how much of a, how big of a part was religion in your early life? Well, I read the Bible four or five <clears throat> times by the time I was... I don't know, 10, trying to fix my family. (laughs) Yeah, because I really thought everybody was stressed out way too much, you know, and I felt all this pressure to, like, fix them. I don't know what it was. But but what I didn't know and why I turned my back on all that stuff, um, my mom was a Jehovah's Witness. My dad was Catholic. Me and my dad would skip out most of the time when they went to church. 
and uh, we'd go do something, um, but anything other than go to church. But when I did have to go, it was miserable for me because everybody else seemed like so pleasant and they were getting it. Me, I was like, I'm going to hell. You know, <laughs> that's all I seen out of that place is I'm going to burn. I can't act like these people, you know, and I, and I, I couldn't sit still. I was like, oh, this is driving me crazy. And um, so me and my dad would escape from that. And um, so I avoided it. But at the same time, I did read the Bible over and over again, trying to see what this was all about. Because if how come some families can be somewhat functional? Mm. You know, our family, like there was threats running back and forth and be quiet. <laughs> you know, every, there was always like a impending doom right. feeling around. You know? Right. So uh, so I did read it front to back. I studied a lot and. The, what I didn't know at the time is I was looking at it for my own power, which is a selfish, self-centered way to try to look at spiritual things. It's for an all own power. Yeah. Like for my own will, like to fix the people I want to fix, like oh. playing God and reading the Bible. Okay. Like, and I didn't know it at the time. Of course, I'm a kid. I just, you know, I'm thinking, oh, this God's up here taking requests. Let me read this Bible put in some requests for this family and uh, and then but what i didn't know is spiritual is all inclusive Re, like and so these religions are just about certain people the the people not the not the spirit that's behind it a lot of them like some of them really do understand the deeper meanings mm -hmm. and stuff like that but but then if they tried to tell me at that time i wouldn't have got it because i'm still trying to fix physical people what what that does, it, like, it's only good if I took those spiritual truths, applied them to everybody, and it became my nature. Mm. So you can't just take stuff like that, throw it on somebody and be like, hey, act like this. Right. You know what I mean? So so I didn't know that. But, you know, later in life, getting um, all that stuff came to life, and I see where it's all true. It's people's uh, religious accounts of spiritual matters. You know what I mean? It's all true. It's just... It's their culture at the time. They're, they're, and if you read it in a spiritual way, like it's all inclusive, it applies to everybody, but it's more about acquiring that way of looking at things, nonviolence, this and that, rather than taking a kid's guns, you live nonviolently. Right. Right. You can't be cursing everybody out and doing all the crazy stuff you're doing and break right. a kid's gun and think he's going to get the message. It's yeah. Just a total conflict of. Yeah. It's kind of like a, like a moral framework for society, right? Yeah. Well, kind of it it's it's a way of living. So so you got all these different religions and I've got to know people in all of them and basically the people who are looking for all inclusive in all inclusiveness they find a way of being that allows them to live and let let and this seems spiritual or what some people would call uh you know what what I experience today going to places. The same places I go to now are are euphoric to me. Whereas in the past, it was like, ah, going here, this sucks. Dealing with these people sucks. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. everything was suck. It sucked. But all I got to do is come here, meet you. I'm having a good time. Like, yeah. that's the difference. It's an inside thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, you bring, like, I, I'm not bringing here a, an agenda. I'm bringing here just a connection. Right. And you're connecting with me, and that, that's all I need. You know what I mean? For today, and it might lead to wherever, or it might be just this. Either way, it's fine. You know, right, right. That's fascinating. Yeah. Um. All right. So back to like the the linear timeline. Mm -hmm. Um. You get out at what, like 22, mm -hmm. 20, 20, 22 yeah. years old. Yeah. 
how long did it take and what were you doing the next time you got in trouble? Well, I got out. I remember going and having a drink with a friend of mine. Um, and I didn't do anything more than that because I said I wasn't going to get, you know, the part. And then at that time, I didn't do any drugs. Mm-hmm. It, that was that was later. That really got confusing. But so I drank with him one night and then I went to making money. I had some friends I met in there and uh, we went to the other coast, picked up a bunch of sheets of acid and all kinds of stuff and brought it back over and we sold it for. I don't know, 300% profit. Cocoa <laughs> so, Beach? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Boca Raton. Yeah. Boca Raton. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Boca Raton. So at that time, my buddy, um, I was actually after the lab po- last podcast, I was trying to look him up. It says he died like 10 oh, years no ago. Shit. Yeah, I'd wonder why I didn't hear from him, but I don't know. I actually paid for the little thing where you could find somebody. I said, oh, yeah. I, thought okay. about, I haven't thought about was it. Was it one of those scam websites? Or no, it, it was a worked? good one. Oh, it, good. Yeah, it worked. It showed the guy's address and everything else, and then it showed he died. I was like, oh, oh man, man, that's horrible. He was a really happy, good dude. But, uh, yeah, but he killed himself. He loved what? the party. and it, Well, I mean, you know, killed himself driving. Oh, driving. Yeah, driving drunk. <clears> and, um, you know, he was always doing that, like driving real fast over there and drunk. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. But uh, he swore he was the one that knew how to do that. But, <laughs> but anyway, he, I, uh, I was going and getting stuff and then trying to play semi-pro football. And, um, and I, you know, I had all the same people. Oh, and I had this reputation because I went to prison and came back. You know, people thought that was cool. And, uh, yeah, just kind of. I don't know. You just get like a, it felt like I was like kind of, um, idolized a little bit, you know what I mean? For a while. And I didn't pay really no mind to it, but in hindsight, I look at it like a lot of people made me feel like like I did something good going to prison. (laughs) You kind of like owned the identity of it. Yeah. Like, like, well, I wasn't really thinking about it just because I lived, I lived that. And then you were never, you never, you were never like analytical of anything, especially like self analytical. No, no, I was analytical of stuff, but it was nothing to do with self. Okay. How, yeah, it was how am I going to fit in? How am I not going to go to prison again? Right. So I was always analyzing that stuff, missing out on the, I'm the cause of that, a lot of that, you know? So yeah, I would, I would, and all this stuff I looked at in retrospect, like, like it's pretty much how I lived my whole life. It was reaction, reaction, reaction. Mm get some time to sit on your hands you look at it but what can you do about it and then you keep going and it wasn't until this guy kind of explained to me that um i bought into some things that even though i'm honest it's not true you know even though i'm being honest with him about what it is it's still not true and that goes back to what i was telling you about being honest about your emotions long enough to find the truth you know you, mm. So you, so you give your best honesty. You're on a lie detector test. It comes out. You're telling honest. You're if you believe honest. it, right? You're being yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're, but you're, you're convinced in the mind. It's still not true. Those lie detector tests, all they really do is just detect how nervous you are, right? Your right. heart rate. I don't really know. They put me on one. They, yeah. They were pretty accurate. You know what I mean? I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't trying to hide nothing because I was actually legitimately. Yeah. Uh, that time, <laughs> I had this guy on here. Uh, um, a couple months ago and he got arrested for rape and murder when he was, I want to say 12 years old, 13, wow. 12 or 13. Jeez. And, uh, he didn't do it. Right. But he was really friends with the, he was like the closest friend of the girl who got raped and murdered. It was in, uh, like one of the first years of 
high school maybe. So maybe he was like 14 or 15. I forget. Uh-huh. But um, they put him on a lie detector test and like uh-huh. the cops were acting like his friend and he like failed the lie oh, detector hey, test yeah, so Yeah, even bad. having that charge is making yeah. you nervous. You yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they, they yeah. he ended up going to prison for 16 years until they uh-huh. caught the guy who actually did it. They uh-huh. matched the DNA. Right. So they fudged his DNA just to fucking get a conviction. Right. But he explained to me uh, basically how fucking bullshit the lie detector tests yeah. are and how yeah. the the specialists, I forget what they're, what you call them, but the people who actually administer the lie detector tests, mm-hmm. um, the polygraph tests, yeah. how they can manipulate the people that are doing it in the way they ask the questions. Wow. And I believe that they're not, they don't hold up in court anymore. It might be because of that guy. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. You can't use them as evidence. They're too um, unpredictable. Right. Yeah. The inconclusive, they call it. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, they, you know, when they did mine, it was just for, because they already had the DNA. They had this guy's DNA that did it. So they, all they needed was the match of DNA. They wanted to slip questions in there, but my lawyer fixed it all to where they only got one in. Did you ever maim somebody or some shit like that? And I kept like, fuck knows. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I busted a lot of people up. So right. how do you answer that question? Right, I stumbled maim. on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Define maim. Yeah. 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 I, I stumbled on that one three times, <laughs> but every other one of them passed it. So uh, it was good enough for them. Good enough for me. It was probably just some bullshit that set me up, but who knows? I walked out on that, and then 60 days later, I got like 11 million sales and manufacturing heroin charges. So I was facing life again. 60 days later, you'd think I'd turn Manufacturing my life heroin. You got All life I was doing was that, buying man. pure heroin and cutting it and selling it. Yeah. And how do you get life or something like that? They tried to give me 180 years with the habitual offender. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Later on, they tried to give me life for one pill out of the bottle that I had a prescription for, a Xanax. They tried to, that last bit I got two years for, I was on like 800 milligrams of methadone a day, which is a lot of methadone. And, um, and I remember them going, you know, the judge was like, why aren't we giving you life today? I was like, dude, I had one pill. I have a script for that Xanax and, and I took it out and put it in my sock. I said, if you want to fight this, I can fight it, but I really want to kick. So give me two years. I'll go right now. (laughs) He did. He gave me two years, but he was trying to give me life as a career criminal. I was like, Jesus place is ridiculous and how old were you when you finally got locked up the second time the second time um it was only a couple years later okay yeah i kept going in and out and a couple of them were small bids you know total about 15 years and um i kept going in and out and then they finally they were just getting sick of me they were trying to give me life for almost and i always thought i was going to get life because they've been telling me that you know all that time Mm -hmm. i started buying into it convincement of the mind honest not true you know I honestly thought I was going. And if you thought, if you talk to me for any period of time, it's like live right now. Cause we're going away forever. Right. Know? So yeah, I kept making things work worse with the uh, reaction, 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 you know, not really processing or thinking, mm-hmm. not living, you know, not experiencing life. And state but, prisons are like the worst, right? I've heard the state prisons are the worst. Yeah. I mean, they're a lot worse than the feds in some senses. Um, most people, if they have a lot of time to do, they want to go to the feds. Right. Yeah. Cause they got like paying jobs there. They got, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mopping the floor, gets you 10 cents an hour or something like that. <laughs> Whereas in prison, you only got like a couple pride, uh, jobs that you work all day long in the hot sun mm. might get two bucks or something. But me, I just, you know, 
I lived off the land, I guess you'd say. <laughs> yeah. What was it that you found when you were, when you got locked up the second time? Like, how did you find value and how did you fit in, in the community that you were in there? Like, like, what did you do to find any sort of, or did you find any sort of meaning or purpose or value when you were in there? I liked conflict a little bit. I know in hindsight, looking back on it, I would hang with the, the Jewish people sometimes to piss off the Aryan guys. Then I hang out with the Aryan guys to piss off the, cause they were so racist. I was like, what a bunch of clowns. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're all in the same place. And, uh, it's always been, um, that's how it is in all prisons, right? They, uh, all the, all some, the different, well, races. they're a lot more segregated up North, but, okay. but down here they have, you know, everybody's thrown in together and then you got these, these clowns that are, you know, uh, they're so hell bent on hating something because it's a distraction. Right. Keeps you from looking at yourself. And for some reason I was always in conflict with that, you know? And, uh, I would even, I would say mean things and do mean things just to start a fight over that type of really? stuff. Cause you just wanted to be, be well, just cause else. I didn't get it. I didn't right. get it. When right. I moved, sure. yeah. When I moved to Naples, I, uh, you know, I had black people hate me at first, you know, I'm friends with everybody now, but, I had like black people hate me because I was white. I had white people hate me because I was a Yankee. And uh and they would just say like the stupid most stupid things. So I just started beating the shit out of everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh and then I, you know, cause I really my dad one time when I was a little kid in Jersey, we had like a line. It was almost like an imaginary line. And uh I remember saying some racial slangs to this guy. You know, we're like seven, six. We don't know what we're saying. We just hear the older kids in the neighborhood. We're yelling these things back and forth. He's calling me this. I'm calling. <laughs> My dad snatches me by the ear and snatches him by the ear. He's like, this is your new best friend. No Ever shit. since then, I never had a problem. He was a great kid. You know what I mean? Turned out to be one of my, you know, closest friends growing up there. And all his, like, family and over, they were racist as shit towards me. You know, really? when I go over there, I have to deal with that and i'd be like yeah whatever you know and i'm here to for this person fuck off what, you know? what ethnicity was he uh he was black, he was black. yeah okay. yeah and then you know and then his sister too she's i used to like riding her bike but it was a girl bike but i could ride wheelies on it for a while and the guy would all you know the older kids would be all you know that cracker you know they'd said uh hunky up there or whatever uh, yeah <laughs> they would call you hunky down in florida they call mm. you cracker but uh but I'd be like, yeah, go fuck yourself, you know. And they would beat me up or something. <laughs> they would beat my ass. Really? Yeah, I was I wasn't big yet, and uh, and I didn't know how to fight at that time, so I would get beat up. But uh, but anyway, I I learned through taking a beating and giving a beating that people are just stupid, you know. And and same thing on my side, I'd be sitting there helping somebody who's trying to help me because of my color, not because uh because he likes me as a person. You know what I mean? He's just looking out for his own. And, you know, you're helping him with the change in the wheel. Next thing you know, it's some shitty conversation about, you know, it's their fault because of right. this. And I'm like, and then, oh, and then uh, one was yelling at me because I hung out with a Spanish guy, uh, my friend. In uh, prison? No, no, no. Oh, this was on this the streets in, in New Jersey. Okay, yeah. Okay. And it was weird, too, because they weren't stupid people. They were highly intelligent, but they were blinded by this. Mm. all of them all of them i mean the, the tribalism yeah tribalism yeah exactly and it was so you know it was such a conflict for me so finally when i didn't care and i knew how to fight and i didn't care about my welfare when i got in prison i kind of antagonized people 
of all races. Like when you were, when you were in prison yeah. and because of this experience that you had from a young age, like right. with violence and seeing people and, and being beating, getting beat up and beating right. other people up. Could you look at people and kind of like read them and see like how far they would go and know that? Yeah. Yeah. You, you could always see they're like, their their lights go off. It's just, this is what I say when this happens, you know, like, like they get like automatons, you know what I mean? They stop thinking and they go into pure ritual. You know, that's how clear it is to me because you're all of a sudden you're not having a conversation when you, there was this big dude I got in a mm-hmm. fight with. And as soon as I said something, cause the dude, uh, the dude in question that he was talking about, was a nice guy, but he had some problem with whatever he did or whatever. And I don't know the history. All of a sudden, I wasn't talking to this guy anymore. He was just all full of hatred. He jumps off the bunk, tries to hit me. I just stiff-armed him, threw him back, punched him. You know, and then you you don't really want to get locked down for periods of time, especially I had a good job. So he huffed and puffed and ran around and, and he's a big dude. I mean, when you scare me, I, I try to, how big yeah, you're, bigger, how tall are you? How tall are you? Six, five, 380 pounds. Yeah. But he was, you're a big he monster. was like a big stock. Yeah. When I'm, when I'm ripped, I'm a little less fat and stuff. And I, I look bigger, but, um, but this guy was, you know, ripped up. I mean, you know, see the same height, same weight, roughly. Yeah, okay. yeah. And his name was Danny too. Was it? Yeah. 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 So I felt like, one minute we're fine you know he actually sought friendship because you know i could lift like anything in there and and so he's like oh i need you you know so we were working out next thing you know it's like a robot oh this is what i do when when this gets threatened and it all comes you could see it so clear like i could see it so clearly because i've seen it so many times they get fearful yeah they get fearful and all of a sudden there's a there's like a robot you're talking to you ain't gonna get through and so he was acting all huffy puffy and you know i told him i said dude want to go to the box we'll go to the box i'll beat your ass right now <laughs> and he's like oh i'm gonna get you whatever and i was like yeah all right shut up and uh you know he squashed it and there was a little kid it's funny too because the, the dude that um tried to keep everything calm so we don't get the place locked down he was uh i don't know uh maybe i know he was muslim but i don't know if he was like from there or whatever and he's the one that broke it up and held him back and was like i was like no nah, don't hold him back like, so if he wants to you know let it go mm-hmm. and uh and and he was like no nah, no nah, we don't need the trouble you guys are friends and that's what i thought but then i don't trust people that flip like that anymore like after that you know in that mentality too this is before i changed you know once you got in that bracket where you can't control your emotions you're done with i'm done with you because you're unpredictable and right. eventually you're going to cause problems that we can't get out of. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm not going to be uh, tied in with that. Hmm. You know, you can get enraged and all that, but you should never let anybody know what you're feeling. So when you were trying to fuck with people by mm-hmm. like hanging out with different groups, different yeah. races of people and you were, tr- what, what was it in turn? Like, what were you trying to do or like what? I was trying to destroy that bullshit pride. Like, it didn't make any sense. Were you trying to like teach them a lesson? Or? Yeah, I think so. I think in a way I was like, uh, because if somebody else did what I did, they would, you know, hurt them or make them not do it anymore. And I wasn't going to stop. So I felt like I was the only person that can get through to them. <laughs> this is all crazy, but that's no, how yeah, it, no, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. That's just how I, I processed it, you know, at the time. Cause I wanted to play basketball and sometimes, you know, other people play basketball and 
these guys wanted me to not play basketball because of my right. color of my skin. Fuck you, like, motherfucker. Yeah, I grew up in Jersey. We right. played, we took it serious, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and plus, it's a good way to lose weight and everything yeah. else, stay in shape. So, whatever. I just did it. And I would just sit there and bounce the ball, looking at him. <laughs> Stare him in the eye yeah. and bounce the ball. Yeah, and it wasn't not perfect because some of the guys I played with, they were just as bad, too, racism. And, yeah. Uh, they're going to do this, and they – they run into your your chest bone with their shoulder real hard when you're mm -hmm. if you're hacking them or whatever. So I wasn't hacking, and somebody tried to do that, and I just kind of shifted and threw them into the concrete. And I felt perfectly fine with it, you know what I mean. And all his uh, <clears throat> friends on the court were like, "Dude, he's just playing," you know what I mean. You ain't got to go trying to run into him like that, you know. They kind of stuck up for me, yeah. but that's what I. That's basically what I wanted to see. Like fair is fair. Right. right is right wrong is wrong without being one of these um uh like kumbaya or or you know right yeah uh, i'm not trying to say everything's you know well you had the unique ability to do what you were doing too because i feel like a lot of those people who stick to their little their little tribes they're right. doing that because they're gonna get protected yeah when somebody else comes out of you didn't yeah. give a fuck you nah, were gonna beat nah. the shit out of whoever or they were gonna beat me up but right. we weren't i wasn't gonna stop <laughs> right like, you know what i mean and and you weren't seeking protection from a group from a specific not only group. that i was doing this unconsciously mm. there was something always in me to try to care about stuff and do stuff but at the same time i didn't like caring about things because you get wounded too bad mm. so there was a big contradiction going on inside of me which i that's why i couldn't clearly know what i was doing i'd be like why, why do i start so much shit sometimes yeah. <laughs> you know i mean and i don't know that there's like a, a life force trying to bring life lessons through everybody at all times really right but most people are so fearful um and i was too i was fearful of of, of you know, never figuring out how to live right or keep a job or be able to stay in society. Mm. I was fearful of all these things too, but when I thought something was right, you couldn't kill me. You couldn't stop me. Right. You know what I mean? And, and, but it, the, the clarity got harder and harder to see, you know, what lessons did you learn about regarding empathy for other people? Like before, when you were younger growing up, was there what, what sort of lack of was there and then at what point what took it what did it take for you to develop a sense of empathy for other humans um well at an early age there were certain people that didn't seem to succumb to fear i thought and until i got enough courage to really push that to the test um i thought there was just some people that are just like man they're really tough they're really uh hard or whatever found out later they're just really good at hiding it and they have apathy like they, they have a lack of care for their welfare or anybody else's that gives them the ability to appear fearless mm. i did i did the same thing myself so i knew what that was but not until i pushed people who looked fearless to the point of putting fear in them did i figure out everybody's full of shit you know what i mean like everybody deals with fear yeah. so empathy came for me um through some hard ass lessons uh like i knew i knew what people were saying was true and telling me this stuff but they were trying to tell me that that empathy was a necess a necessity and i said nah there's some people that know how to get by without dealing with all this you know fear and feelings and stuff mm -hmm. and in my mind i always contested it but in my heart i knew they were saying 
what they were saying was everybody has a level of things they got to deal with. And I was like, yeah, not right now. I'm busy. Yeah. <laughs> and I put that off so long that I had so many circumstances where I was like, shit, this is because it's kind of a feminine trait, really empathy. I right. think, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so it wasn't, it wasn't something I was going to do. <laughs> you know, I can't appear right. weak or anything right. like that. Or, and then, um, but what I realized is it doesn't matter what you, what you think or feel it. There's reality and then there's not. Right. Yeah. And so when I had enough courage to face that, that was all of a sudden that became a language for me. Um, I guess cause I never used it or never really thought to use it. I always hid my, my true intentions. I hid my feelings, my thoughts. Mm. I learned to hide them better and better over the years. Every time somebody found out, I felt like I was exploited or vulnerable. Um, what I was really thinking or feeling, you do a bunch of Coke you start. Yeah. Yeah. See, <laughs> you start letting everything out. Well, yeah. I learned that if you do a bunch of Coke with anybody, they let it all out too. They do. Yeah. So you find out who the, who the, uh, snitches are like, uh, your boy, uh, <laughs> Matt Cox. Yeah. Yeah. He's funny. He, you don't, you don't have to give him Coke to, for him to tell nah, you nah, he's, he's proud of it. Yeah. 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 That's funny. But good for him. I mean, you know, if you're doing wrong, whatever. I mean, I can't, it, he think he believes that if someone claims that they're that they if they were in his situation and they weren't going to be a sti- a snitch, it was foolish pride. Foolish pride. Either that yeah. or they're lying to themselves. Yeah. <laughs> well, both of them. Yeah. The foolish pride is yeah lying to yourself because it's uh you know. But my line of reasoning with that was if you're doing something, calculate what the worst you can get is. And I, that's how I did it. And that's how I got the clarity of mind to carry out certain things that I had to carry out was I already accepted the worst possible scenario as a possibility. Mm-hmm. And I accepted it before I did it. So that way there was nothing but calmness. And most of the time I didn't end up getting caught. Wow. Yeah. I, should, I probably shouldn't share that. That's, <laughs> that's a good recipe for people that want to do bad shit. But, uh, but that's the, that's the answer to it. And, and, and it all, and like, you'll get that it's, you'll carry that through and you'll get that. But in the long run, it destroys you. You know, did you ever meet anybody to where there was just like nobody home? Like empathy does not exist within this person. It's just, you look at into their eyes and it's just, there's nobody, like nothing there, like no feelings, no, no regard for any values, no regard for, doesn't give up. Like we're just murder anybody cut your head off without any sort of remorse any sort of human feelings whatsoever i know i know i knew people they're dead now uh, a couple of them i knew people that in circumstance certain circumstances were like that but i don't know anybody like the ice man like he's just like that 24 7 or whatever like kuklinski or whatever I didn't know guys like that, but they were all from where I was from, like Jersey City, North. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they had a breed of people there that this is what we got to do, you know. And and that I think is generationally from putting production and technology advances above human welfare. You know what I mean? When generationally that gets worse and worse, you get a lot more sociopaths and a lot more people acting like sociopaths to be successful. You know what I mean? And if you act like something long enough, you, you purchase that. The reason I ask, I have a friend who's a lawyer who's represented a lot of murderers. Mm-hmm. Um, and he explains his clients and he like, he gets deep into the human behaviors and the human nature and what, it, like how they became this way. Mm-hmm. And he explains what it's like, like 
going on to death row, going mm-hmm. through all the security and getting in a room and talking to these guys that are on death row. Like right. one, one of the guy who murdered like a dozen women or something. Right. And he's talking to the guy and he explains what it's like sitting there across the table from him. Right. And I asked him like, what, how could you describe this person? He goes, <clears throat> the best way I can describe it is you look into his eyes and it's just deadness. There's, right. there's nobody home. Right. Well, you're, if you're talking about in prison, mm-hmm. like I, I've seen people like that and I've got to know some of them and talk to them, mm-hmm. but like, there's a lot of like, so a doctor, that's what he was, a doctor, a lawyer, a lawyer. Mm-hmm. So a lawyer sees him in a certain capacity. Um, he doesn't see him 24 seven. Right. Whereas like when you're living with them or you're around them all the time, you know, it's only certain things that trigger that. You know, um, okay. Yeah, there's there's times when like so eating is a normal thing, so everybody eats. Yeah. All of a sudden, they're a different person when they're eating. You know what I mean? Like the rituals of being right. human are all of a sudden there. Yeah, and, and maybe from their childhood or whatever they learned manners or something. Mm. But all of a sudden, they're different. They're not nobody's home. I'm killing you, stuff like that. So they mm. so there was a guy. <laughs> I talked about him uh, before, but there, there was a guy who ate his parents and he was... Oh, ate his parents. Yeah. He, he was a cannibal. Killed and ate his parents. And uh, and he outlived his life sentence. So he got out in like 2012. I really don't want to talk about this guy. Again Wait, how do you outlive a life sentence? Uh, they gave like 25 years back then or, or until you die. So 25 years you're, you're considered. So 25 years or until you die. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he was under a guy. They got different guidelines at different times. So he was Shit, under these guidelines. Lived it. Yeah. 25 years or life. So, and he was already a certain age. What are the health they, benefits of eating human beings? Jesus Christ. Know. <laughs> uh, you know, he ate his own leg. He had a pair of dentures. They gave him his teeth, you know, they took care of him. And uh he took the dentures and bit a part of his calf out with the teeth. I was just chewing on it, you know, and that's how I got to meet him. I was running these I'd have to run these baths, and they walk him in, you know, he'd go in there and do his thing. But how a guy gets to that point, uh, you know, there there were certain things like when he did his ritual of of that compared to his ritual of taking a bath were you know two different people he would talk different and everything else but I knew so that. he would be like different people during different times of the day yeah 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 like i'm saying nobody can consistently now there is people that are 24 7 like that i'm sure i don't really know any of them because you always need something even if you act like you don't you always need something so your your whole demeanor changes it might be fake but it's different you know, but the far as nobody home, I've seen that. And it's a scary thing when there's nobody, there's no lights on. And my buddy used to get there all the time. He'd stab people all the time. I was like, dude, what the hell is wrong with you? Quit st- yeah. Quit stabbing people. And, uh, he would do it all the time. You break a plate, he stab you. You know what I mean? Like he broke, uh, one, one, one guy he bumped the plate on the wall and it was his old lady's dad's or that's dead play hits the ground and the guy didn't seem remorseful enough so stabs him and when he goes to stab him the second time i grab his arm and i pulled him back and i'm like calm down and i grab the guy and i throw him down the stairs just to make him feel better you know what i mean but not stab him anymore because he's gonna leak out all over the place oh my god yeah it was just crazy but i used to hang around with that guy all the time because he you know just made me look normal what was this cannibal guy like oh so lurch uh lurch was his name was he tall tall six six white pasty you know been down 25 years 20 
whatever. Was he? What was his ethnicity? Uh, he's a, I think he was a white guy. I don't know. He could have been. He could have been uh, like Scandinavian or something. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I saw a documentary was, about like an Asian guy who was a cannibal. Yeah, yeah. It was some. It was uh, ingrained. I don't know where he got it from. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, he'd been down for a long time, and I didn't have a lot of interactions with him. But um, a few, I had to, uh, you know, get a shank out of his hand and choke him out one time. He was gonna kill his nurse. <laughs> Yeah, and I didn't I didn't want that known, but but uh but yeah, he was gonna this lady just talked to him like real disrespectfully and was rude and not to say like the guy didn't do bad stuff and he deserves this and that, but when you don't you just don't talk to people that don't have nothing to lose like that. Right. You know what I mean? And think right. you're gonna be okay. Unless you're you know, unless you're a tough person and you're gonna handle yourself, but she wasn't. He was just reckless with her mouth. So I warned her about it, and then I was, you know, I don't like to get involved, but I, uh, but I ended up doing that. What was he trying to? Well, how was he? What was he doing? He was going to cut her, you know, or, or eat her. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows what his plans were? Yeah. But he had a he had a knife, and he was like, kind of, he just kind of shared it with me, and I just I said, hey, pop this door. I went in and got it from him. At least that uh, she'll get a chance. And then the the guards that seen it, they said something to me. I said, look, don't don't put that out there. You know what I mean at all. So. I don't know. It kind of made me feel like I was, I don't know, conflicted because I don't like to get in people's business. Or did he ever talk about? Did you ever ask him like, what the fuck happened to you? Nah, I was. I wasn't that, and I wasn't that interested because really? I've always well because I've always had a strong thing that you should look out for your mom and dad. And of course, his who knows? Maybe they beat him. Right? Who knows what his deal was? They but probably one, weren't that nice to him. Probably. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Maybe it was just crazy. I I don't really know, and I didn't want to know because anytime I got an idea in my mind that you're a bad person, then I got to do something about it, you know? So I, I, just, oh, okay. I, see. I just stayed out of it, you know? <clears throat> and uh, if I hear you're beating old people or something like that or beating your parents up and they didn't do nothing or something, I'm, you know, I'm going to do something to you. <laughs> so right. I don't want to know. Right. At that time, I didn't know how to just – process that and say oh you're learning me. okay yeah okay yeah, a plus yeah. b equals me in the box <laughs> yeah yeah that's it and i don't yeah. want to be there yeah so. you tell me some crazy shit you did and yeah. i don't like it i'm gonna hurt you and uh at that time you know so yeah i just stayed out of it but um yeah there was people i got to know like that where nobody was home at times and there was a doctor that dealt with Dahmer that worked there and he told me some crazy stories about Dahmer. Really? Well, he he told me that the guy can run like twenty miles and not break a sweat, like crazy things. He can mind over matter certain things. He can lose ten pounds and like that, or he can gain. He can uh, strong mental uh, capabilities, but nobody's home. <laughs> he would say like, and he had uh, some some memorabilia, and he had the the first woman executed. Um, in Florida too, he had her sheet. He would buy weird things like that off of, you know, the blood spot and the starch board. It's like a starch board. Those um, sheets they uh, kill you on with lethal injection. He would buy this shit. Yeah, he would like get it. You know, he had he had hookups on it. But on yeah. eBay, you could sell that stuff for like I don't know three hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars or some crazy number for. Uh, I got to sit in the electric chair, and so if I could have took a piece of that with me. That would have been cool. <laughs> so, because they couldn't lift these packs in the back of the electric chair, they're like four hundred fifty pounds. Yeah, all the guards are kind of fat and out of shape. But 
So I, I go down there. I said, I'll do this. I'm going to pull them out. I want to sit in the chair. <laughs> you know, at the time, I was still crazy. And, uh, and I got to sit in that thing, and it was eerie. It was eerie. Have you ever seen the documentary called Mr. Death? Mm-mm. You got to watch that shit. Yeah, I'll check it out. It's on pull, Netflix. Pull up uh, that Mr. Death trailer. Uh, it's on, um, no, I don't think it's on Netflix. I think it's on, I think I watched it on Amazon. Amazon, okay. So it's this guy, basically the, the, the synopsis of it, there's this guy. Maybe we can just watch the trailer. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Fred Lucher. Fucking fascinating story, man. This, so this guy was contracted by the, uh, all the prisons to, to improve all of the execution methods. So he like reinvented the electric chair, the gallows, the gas chambers. Right. And basically his, his whole life was dedicated to fucking executing people. (laughs) Play this trailer. Uh, You got the audio hooked up? Well, like the most humane way or, or just, yeah. Yeah. So this guy's real. He lives in, uh, I think he lives in Alabama. Oh, that's where all the, the Nazis are. And say, <laughs> and then chamber, and then experts, and out come 10 Fred Leuchters. No, there's nobody. Fred Leuchter was our only hope. I don't think he's naive. I guess if the Godfather called you up and said, you got to do this job for me, you just do it without thinking about it? Come on, guys. To me, it looks like he's almost under a spell. He truly believed what he was doing was right. He saw everything he'd built up in his own quiet, humble way, destroyed by these people he had never met, whom he had offended. Kind of a shitty trailer, but yeah. This guy Joe asked me if I knew what Fred did for a living. I said no, and he said he kills people. <laughs> and that kind of surprised me until he explained exactly what he did. Which wasn't that he killed people, but he made things that killed people. Anyways, you can stop it. It's kind of a boring trailer. But yeah, anyways, they he was contacted. I forget what happened, but his father worked for the the uh, BOP, I guess. Um, and he somehow got the contract to because the electric chair when they first developed it, it wasn't killing people. The right, like right. it was like, electrocuting them, and they'd be fucking like coming back. They would right. be coming back and be fucked up and right. like throwing up or like. Is that guy German? No, it's uh, it, so yeah. it gets crazy. Okay, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. not. I don't think he's he's not German, but. <clears throat> Anyways, he got contracted. He fixed. He he learned the inner workings of the, of the electric chair, how it worked. Eventually, he figured out how to get it to kill people the first time and not have them suffer. Right. Then they're like, okay, now you can fix our gas chambers. Now you can work on the gallows. And right. now now we want to do something more humane, lethal injection. So he fucking developed the lethal injection. Right. Perfect combination. And yeah. after doing this for so long, mm-hmm. he learned holy fuck, it's so hard to kill a human being. Right. It is so, he learned how difficult it really was to kill a human being. It's not easy. It's not uh, as easy as you would think. Nah, nah. And then it goes off the rails towards the end of the documentary because he basically says, I don't believe the Holocaust was real. He goes, I, he, he says he doesn't believe that, um, that 
all these Jewish people were killed in gas chambers. Wow. He's like, there's no way it could be. He, he travels to Germany. He visits Auschwitz, visits mm-hmm. all these places, and he's, they show him in there. And he's like studying it, doing the science on it. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, he believes it was fake. Wow. So really? so he's kind of a crazy you right. know, I don't know enough about it. I don't I mean right. if you believe that you're a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. Um so and then so he had Mossad following him around. He had like Israeli uh, uh intelligence following him around. He got sued. Right. He went to court over it. It's it's an insane story. He got sued because he didn't believe the Holocaust was real. Y- yeah, it was like a freedom of speech thing. <sighs> I'm gonna I'm butchering this, yeah, but yeah. if you watch the documentary, there was yeah. a guy who came out with a book right. claiming the Holocaust wasn't real. Hmm. This guy went to court, he was sued over it, and somehow this guy, mm-hmm. Lucher, got deposed in the lawsuit wow. because he studied, he was like the expert on death. All right. So he was deposed to sort of talk about how difficult it was to kill people with gas with cyanide and all this stuff and he was basically making the case that if these are the places that you're saying all these people were executed it would be impossible right he's like i couldn't make these these rooms so i couldn't kill people in these rooms it would be impossible especially thousands of people right so it's a fascinating documentary the guy's crazy yeah but um Anyway, I, I don't know how we got on that tangent. Yeah. We're talking about the electric chair. Dr. You were, Death. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor, yeah, Mr. Death. That's what it's called, Mr. Death. Mr. Yeah. Death, yeah, on, yeah, on, on uh, Amazon. Yeah, I was just watching that Hunters, and they were talking about getting the Nazis, and they were all in Huntsville, Alabama. Oh, really? Yeah, what yeah. was it called? Uh, Hunters. Okay. Al Pacino and just a bunch of uh, that one kid's in it, whatever. But it's yeah. it's really it's pretty wild, man, how they, they the, the government took them, took them in, all their scientists, and uh, – Helped them with their their rockets and all that. Everybody knows, but they infiltrated for a Fourth Reich. They infiltrated the highest <clears throat> levels of uh, you know politics and all that, or the yeah. government. Yeah, yeah, uh, pretty wild story. They said it's based on a true story, dude. There's so many wild stories, yeah, like spiraling off off that World War Two and and everything after that. Man, that's there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're coming. Yeah, it just comes out now and. That's how it always is. It comes out later, and everybody's like, "What the hell?" Right? Yeah, yeah. By the time you find out, it's old news. You can't do nothing about it. So you sat in the electric chair? Yeah, yeah. I sat in it. Well, after I took those packs out, I didn't want the thing haywire and electrocute me by accident. Or and you, so you were like, actually, legitimately on death row. Well, I stayed in a open bay dorm with the other workers, and then I was, um, I worked in death row, but it, it's all in the same prison. Um, but where I go, most of these inmates don't go, the workers, you know, I'm, I'm down in the cells and all the places where they're housing the people waiting to die. And, and, um, you know, and then I'm in the medical part, you know, waiting for something to happen. Somebody gets cut or killed on anywhere in the prison. I have to go clean it up or whatever. You volunteered to do this? No, no. They give you a job. When I got there, I was kicking so much methadone. I told the told the guards i said lock me up if you want to i'm not doing nothing for like 30 days yeah <laughs> yeah i was still kicking and uh they sent me so quick through the prison system and sent me to this place i was like oh jesus like the twilight zone and i was still kicking my i had like atrophy my legs were weak and and uh so i told them i said look give me like 30 days i'll get my strength back 
I'll do a job then. And then they gave me that job. So it was, uh, you know, it was pretty interesting, pretty interesting job. What was like the most fucked up thing you saw? Ah, so many things, but, uh, (laughs) one guy bit another guy's penis off (laughs) (laughs) through the, I should laugh. That's (laughs) my mind still goes to, uh, humor when I can't comprehend something. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's immature, but it's just the way I am. So the guy, you know, get blown by the other guy. And, uh, I guess he found out he cheated on him with another guy. I'm in medical and he bites his penis off. They come flying down there with the guy. They're like, there, grab a bag of ice. <laughs> go get the, go get this guy's penis. And I was like, yeah, no, I ain't doing that. And uh, it's, <laughs> I can't even say the rest of the story because I'll probably get in trouble. But uh, They wanted you to go r- rescue his dick? Yeah, put it on ice to try so to, to sew it back it? on. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if it was like a piece or a chug, but when I got down there, it was a bloody mess. I just kind of kicked it down the drain. Yeah. <laughs> and if that's illegal, don't put that on the thing. You know, I don't know. I just, I wasn't going to touch it. So, oh my God. Yeah. It was pretty crazy, but that's just one of, I mean, people have been smashed and. So whenever like somebody, what was more prevalent? People committing suicide or people getting people trying to death? commit suicide, killing people or or su- or trying to commit suicide? What was more prevalent? Um, well, so so everybody in there was kind of sick, like from the guards down to the inmates. Right. Everybody kind of gets sick in that environment. Yeah, and when I say sick, I mean like your thoughts just get twisted mm. and um, annoyance where say you had a friend and he was being annoying you'd be like hey dude you're being annoying i'm going home these people would plot to kill you when you were annoying (laughs) so that that's kind of and if you were real annoying the guards would plot to kill you you know Mm -hmm. and tell other inmates to kill you um and give give you the free time to do it so what happened a lot was so somebody would try to hang themselves there's no real way to do it so they tie the sheets around the corner of the bed and then they flip themselves and a lot of times what happened they break their neck and they start swelling. So I would have to go snatch them up, put them on a, a thing and run down this thing and end up cutting their throat and putting a trach down there and trying to oh. keep them alive. And they turn into like a vegetable or something. So it can get worse. I mean, even though you're waiting to die in life in prison, now you might be waiting with no, you know, being paralyzed. Mm. So I wouldn't want to be in that. So yeah. most of the times trying to do trying to hang themselves or kill themselves would be a failed attempt. Yeah, cutting themselves too. They cut themselves a lot. Sometimes they do it for attention. Sometimes, you know, if you're really trying to off yourself, I guess there's no stopping you eventually. Mm. Unless you do like that, you paralyze yourself. But um then this one guy was beat uh beat to death. Um another guy was lit on fire a bunch of times. Yeah, I've seen that, you know, they put him out. If they really want to torture him, they'll burn him and then put him out. Um, stuff like that, you know. Um, I have to ask you. Yeah, Jeffrey Epstein did he kill himself or did <laughs> did he get killed? I don't. You know, if I, you were to, I, I know you don't know. Yeah, yeah, but give me an educated guess. Well, first of all, I I hate to say this, I don't know that story. I've okay. heard that name. I'm, I'm so uh, okay. Yeah, I don't watch hardly anything like that. Like and and it's funny. I got little bits and pieces from people. He's a high profile guy who basically was friends with a lot of presidents and politicians mm-hmm. and a lot of billionaires, rich people. Right. Hey, he, uh, he has a lot of secrets. Right. That could potentially fuck with you know powerful people. 
Clint, Clintons, right? The Clintons. Yeah, yeah Mainly yeah. the Clintons. Yeah, a lot of yeah. people. Um, yeah. And he was found hanged and by it was the the bed sheet i believe yeah and completely dead but the main thing there was these two vertebrae in like the lower part of his neck that were broken mm. and i guess there was an there was an expert that did the autopsy said when those vertebrae are broken it's usually strangulation yeah, yeah. or or like violent yeah, choking out thumbs that are front yeah yeah yeah. Um. And I guess the guy who was in the cell with him was like a fucking monster, like an enormous motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. So. He probably was killed, but because hanging yourself is not easy. Like I knew a guy. And the and conveniently the cameras went out when that. Yeah. Happened. Yeah. There was definitely probably a conspiracy going on there, yeah. because I seen a guy. This guy was serious. Uh, never committed a crime in his life. He was his wife was having a. a uh, like a mental breakdown or something. So he's out in the grass of the road. He pulls up. He tries to like get her out of the road. The cops in Naples pull up on him, think he's abusing her and lock him up. And his parents were like, you know, all on the side of locking him up and on the side of this woman. And, um, and I really don't believe he was guilty. I think, I think he went a little overboard with trying to, help somebody who didn't want their help you know what i mean so but he was a nice guy he made he made signs he had a business he was really he made this d for me that was my first initial or whatever um he made a cool ass picture of it and uh anyway i got to know this guy he wouldn't eat he kept not eating he got himself real light on christmas eve morning i hear bong and i was like Man, I was like, I hope he didn't try to kill himself, you know, because you hear the metal yeah. pulling on the thing where he jumped. He took a running jump, tied the sheets around the thing. He had enough room to run, go out and come down off the second floor and, you know, and do that. So he was a vegetable for a little while before he died. I'm picking the guy up. They're telling me, don't touch him. Don't touch him. Yeah, we were in the county jail together. So I was like, hey, go fuck yourself. I said, untie him. I get somebody untie him. I let him down. He's a vegetable. His parents came to me for, for as a witness. Now all of a sudden they went from being against him to believing he's innocent, and because they can sue the county for negligence and and false whatever, they wanted money. I told him go fuck yourself. You know what I mean? I said I, I said that's messed up how you switch out. Even if he did it, even if he was rough with that lady, you're his, that's your kid. You know what right. I mean? And I hated them for that. At that time, I had no. Uh, no ability to see the sickness in people and yeah. no real empathy for yeah. it. I just thought they were pieces of shit. So I didn't help them at all. And he ended up dying. And, uh, Ugh. but my point of that is <clears throat> if you're going to kill yourself, first thing you got to do is lose some weight <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and to be able to do it in those circumstances. Second, if this guy has been sheltered, uh, from his consequences and this is his first gig at getting in trouble, He's probably doesn't have the temperament for going all out, you know, and um, it's a certain kind of, I mean, some people I know did one day in jail and they just lost it. They couldn't really? do jail time. Yeah. And it's not because they were a week or anything like that. Yeah. Just certain people can't be locked up. And uh, that was a friend of mine who blew his head off because he was facing a, a jail bid for, um, he hit somebody. It was really their fault. We should have took off for <laughs> <Well>, whatever, <laughs> but, but it was their fault. There were two drunk guys on a motorcycle, illegal. They stole the motorcycle. They cut in front of his car. 
and it chopped one of the guy's legs off. But the other guy was picking him up. We already called the ambulance. I was like, let's leave, dude, because you've been on acid. We just came back from a concert over in Miami. And uh, I said, let's just leave. There's nothing else we could do. And uh, he was like, no, I got to stay, you know. And he stayed. He went to jail. I bailed him out. And he's like, I can't do jail time. And he blew his head off before he went to court. How much jail time was he facing? I mean, what's the worst for, you know. I, he didn't kill anybody, right? Yeah, he didn't kill anybody. It was an accident. You know what I mean? Right. And it was their fault. You know what I mean? But they, he did fail the the the. So right. alphabet thing. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I couldn't do that DUI. shit clean. But we were just tripping on acid. We mm, weren't drunk or nothing right. like that, you know. Right. And, uh, and yeah, they, they really screwed him over because he was a nice guy, good guy. And he tried to do the right thing. And um, <clears throat> totally got screwed and ended up blowing his head off right down the street from my, my house, too. Yeah. But but to kill yourself, it's, you got to have a lot of fear of what's coming. Mm-hmm. You got to have a certain resolve you know, and it's got to be, like you said, it's really hard to kill somebody, you know what yeah. I mean? To, for the human body to just give out. Right. Cause everything in it fights it, mm. you know? So I don't know that dude Epstein, if I had the pressure of the Clintons coming to get me, who knows? You know what I mean? Maybe. Cause that, yeah. Cause it's spooky. It's like, yeah. how do they come get you? You know? Right. And then you got to sit there and all kinds of, you know, well, I think the, the conspiracy is that the Clintons, had him killed because he, they didn't want him giving up any secrets and they wanted to make it look like a suicide. Yeah. But the autopsy claims that because of those broken vertebrae or those broken bones in his neck, I forget what the name of the bone is. There's a bone like deep in your neck Mm -hmm. that I guess it out of, there was a study done out of all the hang suicides by hanging. Mm -hmm. There was like less than a half percent where those bones were broke. Right. And this wasn't like a violent thing where he ran and jumped off a fucking uh, thing either. It was right in the cell. Right. What's the percentage of ones that it is broke? They're all dead? Or did, did any of them live through that? I'm not sure. Yeah, because I imagine if you got it that deep. and Because uh, there's a thing on The Americans. You ever see that show? Mm-mm. Yeah, I, I got to watch it, and my brother said it was good. But there, the guy puts the guy up against the wall, and he goes right in here. And just like what you were saying. Yeah. And he pushes it in just like you know he's done really dead yeah when the guy's like a russian sleeper or whatever hey find out can you find out the name of that bone austin okay yeah just look up epstein autopsy uh bone huh it'll be the first one that comes up i think because if you hang yourself you're not going down here it's going to be up here right and then the lack of oxygen afterwards i mean eventually that but you could be resuscitated maybe brain dead you know Mm -hmm. but um yeah if you break something here where it permanently cuts off i think that's why they stuck the yeah. trach down people's throats when they so they would cut their throat open and stick something open. down yeah there. yeah it's like uh yeah there's another movie I, I don't know why i'm going to so many movies but that nobody you ever see that one mm-hmm. uh along came Saul or whatever but anyway he's a he's a when he's an accountant or a, a cleaner when it comes in when when you know, you want everything to disappear, uh, but he looks like an average Joe. He ends up getting in a fight with these guys. He hits the guy in the in the neck, crushes his thing, the Russian guy, and he's on the ground. And he just cuts his throat with a knife and puts a straw in there. Oh, shit. and the guy's gurgling, but he lives. You know wow. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's I couldn't believe it. Yeah, that. human beings are resilient, man. Hyoid bone. Hyoid bone. Okay. Uh-huh. So what's it? So let's close that little little thing. All right, it says Jeffrey Epstein's autopsy report indicates that the various bones in his neck were broken, including the one near the Adam's apple called the hyoid bone. According to the Washington Post report, the news is sh- the news is sure 
to add even more controversy and conspiracy theories to the jailhouse death of the disgraced billionaire. Such breaks can occur in those who hang themselves, particularly if they're older, according to the forensics expert um, who studies the subject. But if they but they are more common in victims of homicide by strangulation. Hmm. So I don't know the exact percent, but right. something's fishy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're into those conspiracies and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You study that a lot. Yeah. yeah I'm fascinated by them. I'm fascinated by, you know, a lot of them. There's a the famous joke that uh, what's the difference between a conspiracy theory and the truth? Mm -hmm. Six months. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. I um, like that one. So out of all the people that you met that, you know, knew that the Grim Reaper was on their heels, whether they had like a death penalty and they knew they were going to die being on death row. Like, what did you learn from people who knew that they didn't have long to live? Yeah, there was there was a way to tap into this um, being OK on the inside of your, you know, behind your thoughts, behind your there was a way to like find peace. And actually, as long as you're breathing, doesn't matter where you are, you can take sufficient action to um, alleviate it, you know, just by by surrendering and accepting there's these principles in 12 step programs. That's where a lot of this stuff I practiced and, and had, uh, you know, paradigms and shifts in perspective mm. that put words to all this stuff that happened kind of. Um, oh, sorry. No, you're good. Yep. Keep going. That kind of happened. Um, <clears throat> uh organically or i found out it, it just happens that's the reality of something that's going to work out and stay in reality so these guys defied reality so long that either they went to denial and went insane or they surrendered and accepted reality and then did something about it you know what i mean they took some action towards uh making good on their bads or whatever mm. some redemptive uh, thing mm. but i noticed this as a universal truth that if you're gonna like you said there was five years where people would do good the reason why people sometimes uh give up is because doing good is not uh feeling good right yeah doing good is is it's not fulfilling them somehow well it's yeah it's not meaningful because of all the the baggage they're holding on to that they didn't deal with so you it takes about five years to clear the fog you see the reality of how much work you got to do. You either give up or you get to work. These guys knew to give up was just more horrible than doing something about it. Somehow they figured that out because there's no mercy. There's no mercy. It's like give up or go crazier and, and it, it can get worse. It can get to where you're eating your own feces and doing, you know, crazy stuff, trying to kill yourself, all that. Because the brain will just won't leave you alone. <laughs> Right, It'll just yeah. drive you nuts. Yeah. We're either gonna do something about it, you're gonna shit or get off the pot, one or the other. You know what I mean? You're not gonna just uh, not deal with this. And there's I look no at choice. It, yeah, right? there's no choice. Die. Yeah, because you you think about it when you're a kid, clean your room. Uh, no, right. <laughs> you know you eventually gets to that. But at first you're just like, nah, I don't want to clean my room. You buck a little, whatever. There's no relentless coming at you. You know, unless it's abusive or something. But but there's mercy somewhere. There's going to be a middle ground somewhere. There's no mercy at that point. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no coddling. There's no forgiveness. There's no, I'll do it later. Your conscience just says, you're going to do this now or you're going to, I'm going to make you crazy. 
you know, and, and I call it like unpaid tickets. Like you heard it so many times growing up, clean your room, do yeah. this stuff. You don't do it. And then eventually the, the bills do, and there's no calling for help. There's no getting out of it. You got to pay this bill now. That's what death is. You got to pay this bill right now. Wow, you know, that's and, an interesting way to put it. Yeah. So when, so yeah, it, it, cause there's no mercy, man. It's just not gonna, not gonna let up on you. You don't get another five minutes, you know, sometimes before the brain just snaps and then you go into this other place. And even if you do, you eat your own shit and do all this stuff. These guys still have to come to that conclusion or die that way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And some of them can't successfully die. They just got to sit in that for years and years. The guys that had sort of accepted it mm-hmm. and kind of faced their inner self, mm-hmm. so to speak, what were they like? Uh, very, very, they didn't talk unless it was something meaningful. There was nothing trivial. Um, if you joked about like responsibilities or something like that, they would not even deal with you thinking you're an idiot. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you were joking about, uh, playing games with girls or women or whatever, or, or not being a good dad or something like that. There was no time for anything trivial. When they talked, it was very deep, very intense, very mm. meaningful, very few words. Um, they didn't really talk to guys like me that much, but like I told uh, uh, Julian, I've always been blessed with uh, psychopaths just opening right up to me. I don't know why. <laughs> I have no idea. But, uh, but yeah, they've always been good to me, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. uh, you know, and I don't, I don't really judge. I'm just interested in what they're saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, cause it's ridiculous to try to play God. I mean, you, you, I can see it because even though you are big and intimidating, you have a very disarming spirit to you. Like yeah. I can see why yeah. people would want to open up to you a lot. Yeah. Oh, um, that's it. Yeah. Is it true that you actually died at one point? Yeah. I had a couple minutes of, um, or the doctor said I was dead. I didn't really know, but I had this experience. And uh, I was floating, I thought it was like space. But it really, I, and when I look back on all this stuff, it changes over time, but it's still the same thing. But uh, like I tried to explain before, I thought some voice was talking to me and it was actually just revealed to me the truth of how nobody's disconnected from anybody and that every time you think they are, that's just your your body, your brain making making sense of something that it can't make sense of right yeah so you know somebody say somebody's uh you know they're beating up old people or doing something crazy that person is just as much life as you are like in that sense you are the same what they did with their stuff and and you know why they're so the other way those make you think you're separated from that person so then here we go with the prison thing where you sit somebody in a place and let them come to terms with that uh, they're overriding somebody's will. You go and bash their head. Now you're, now you're overriding their will. So, so you're separating the life force even more. You get what I mean? And and this is just how I look at it. I'm probably murdering the words, no, but, yeah. but like, <clears throat> I didn't get this when I was younger because I was very prideful and mm-hmm. man, I'm not going to be tied up with that people or or these group of people doing this or whatever. And uh. It was all nonsense because your your life force has no color, has no creed, has no religion, has no nothing. It's the same life force. So if you're if this guy's wielding it to do what you say is bad, then you do those things to him. You just created your own world of of that in your world. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But really, it's all the same. So everybody's impacted by what you're doing. Everybody. You get what I mean? So, um, and I brought this up a couple of times. I should have looked up who originally said it. I think it was Plato or something. You could judge a society by the way it treats its prisoners. Interesting. Yeah. That if you look, yeah, look that up for me, please. I heard. (laughs) So, uh, you could judge the quality of a society by the way it treats its prisoners, because if the whole society is like murder them, kill them, they're all a bunch of murderers and killers, whether the guy deserved it or not. Right. That is their their answer. You know what I mean? So now they look justified. They look cool. They took care of the bad guy. But the next generation don't know nothing about that scenario. They're just yelling out, murder that guy. And it turns into like, make a difference, support. Society should be judged not by how it treats it's outstanding citizens, but how it treats its criminals. That, oh, it's from the book my mom made me read. Uh, Do- Dostoevsky. Yeah, he wrote uh, Crime and Punishment. Yeah. Scroll down also. Interesting. That was a weird book, man. My mom had me read it. I probably He was a uh, Russian, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, you know, it's funny. My mom, I don't know. I get mistaken for being intelligent sometimes <laughs> and people give me stuff. I don't. And, yeah. Yeah. Wow, man. It's a, it's a real curse. Cause I got to go back and tell them I'm, I'm not really, I, it went right over my head. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's not like I'm tricking them. There's, there is something, there's an intelligent life force. I think it's behind you. It's behind me, but we fuck it all up when we become too self-aware. So I don't, yes. I don't play with it. You know what right. I mean? I just kind of stay out of its way. But but my mom gave me this book, and I'm like, this is a horrible book. And it's like everybody I know that's intelligent is like, oh, this is a great book. And yeah. I tried to read it again, and I'm like, it's about a, like a murder or something. I'm like, what the fuck? Is, what kind of message is this? And my mom was trying to send me. And I, I haven't gone back to it. It's still sitting on my shelves. You've been oh, dead wow. for like 10 years. Oh, wow. But it's like a, a, the bane of my existence because that guy in that book is always coming up. I got to read it now with the new way I look at things. That's interesting, man. Yeah. I wonder what would happen if you read it now. I wonder what <laughs> yeah, you'd make yeah. of it. Yeah, because I don't have to be intelligent. Intelligence is everywhere. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yes. you only mess it up when you think it's yours. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 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 There's also that, you know, the thought that some people have buddhists in particular mm-hmm. where you know they look at everyone as themselves like everyone yeah. is me like yeah. you are me i am you like the person that you're getting in a, about to get in a fight with the person that you hate or yep. whatever if you guys are both starting from zero and you guys go on the same exact path you're the same person you you guys just went on different paths ran right. into different people right. different experiences different environments huh. yeah. and ended up in different places right but everyone is essentially the same Wow, that's probably where, where, yeah, because a lot of these religions put words to stuff that I experienced, and so I just say that's that seems like the truth. That's you know my experience too, because that's what I mean. When, that's better words to the life force thing yeah, that I use. It's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like it doesn't it doesn't matter who's uh, wielding it. If you if you don't like what they do and you do what they do, then you are condoning what they do right yeah so so yeah then yeah that's the same i like that then yeah i'll probably read more of their stuff too then um so yeah going back to when you died how did that how did that happen you were like weren't you legally like actually dead for a few minutes yeah they flew me they flew me to a private hospital in coral gables it was weird too because i thought i would have got arrested the Um, drugs the drug well no not the drugs they didn't fly me no no, no, i mean is that why why you 
Oh yeah, I did a bunch of heroin. Yeah. Oh, it's I heroin. Shot, I oh, shot okay. a bunch of of a new uh, bag or something that was over in Miami, and I was in the Hyatt, and um, and I was in a nice room. I was a high maintenance. I liked a nice cold bathroom, <laughs> so I would stay in these nice rooms because it made me feel better than when I stayed in the hood and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Any chance I got, I stayed in nice places. And so I was in this place and I was with my daughter's mother at the time. And I came out of the bathroom and I go, I did too much. I knew it. And I went, bam, hit the ground. And uh, I don't remember nothing after that. So she put my gun and, and my drugs all up under the plants on a balcony on the high floor. And then somehow talked them into thinking she was important. And, um, not like, you know, she was not important, but like really important. Like if I die, this whole place will be in trouble. So they fly me over there and, um, they, you know, the doctor fixes me or whatever, brings me back. And I remember coming back and seeing all this stuff in this tube and being like, you guys are getting me fucked up. You need to stop pumping that shit in. He goes, sir, that's the shit coming out of you. It's like, (laughs) and I was like. All right. And, uh, you know, and I remember when I came back also, they had ripped my shirt and I was so ungrateful because that peace I felt when I was in that, that it wasn't space. It was like, uh, it might've been space, but it was so big, but yet I was connected to every living thing ever. And that thing that came over me was revelation that we've never been disconnected, uh, that I've never been disconnected. Cause the first thing I asked is where's my mom? where's this person, you know, fuck, where's, you know, who's, you know, and it, and it just said like, it didn't say anything. It just kind of, I just knew it. It relaxed me and said, relax. The only time you've been separated from anything is, is, um, it's been an illusion. Like, uh, you made it up. You made it up your separation from life. You made it up. It's not never been true. And I, and I was like, wow, that's cool. And I, you know, I felt really good for the first time. I felt peace. Never felt it before. I never experienced nothing. And then this, I didn't have nothing to deter me from the experience. Right. No body, no nothing. Just a, I don't know if it was a singular identity, but I think I only had eyes because I can only see out and I didn't have nothing out, nothing weighing me down. I was kind of free. And, uh, so I, I don't know how to describe it more than that. But when he pulled me back, I was like hostile, pissed off, I had a headache and, um, and I said to him, I was like, who ripped my shirt? You know, just nice guy brought me back to life. And I didn't have handcuffs on, which was surprising. I still had bullets falling out of my pocket. I was like, oh, what's that? You know, I heard this ching, ching, and it kept falling out of my pockets. And uh, the doc's like, it looked like bullets, you know. I said, well, they ain't mine. He goes, well, they ain't mine. He goes, I didn't bring bullets to work today. You know what I mean? So he was, he was uh, really nice and compassionate. And, um, and I, you know, and he said he saved my life. So I asked me if I could forgive him about the shirt. And I was like, yeah, all right. Yeah, you're good. But, uh, yeah, but he was just very, just a good guy. He saved my life and I was a dick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause I did, I just kind of was pissed. I really wanted to stay where I was at, you know, for the first time I found peace and I didn't even know what that was. And it wasn't until years later that I put together that, um, all my pain is caused from doing things that separate me from the whole, you know, that's how things that separate you from the whole. Yeah. Like, like doing things that I know I wouldn't give my loving, caring, you know, I wouldn't love and care about somebody and tell them to do it, but doing the, doing those things because I think I can handle it. My ego says 
I can do this, but you can't. But it, it but it causes um, isolation, antisocial behavior. Yeah, like those, and they identify those in these twelve step programs that I told you about. Oh, like, really? I go to them all the time. Yeah, because well, I go to a specific one, but it's uh, really good at introducing you to society and keeping you in it without. If you, I mean, if you do it right, you can't become a, a like an automaton. You can't go into robot mode. You have to constantly, spontaneously be in the moment mm. without the without the brokenness, without the fear, or expressing them. You know, it's, so it's a really good way to practice because it's an environment conducive to that. If you're there to practice it, but there's yeah. so much misinformation and so many robots or so many selfish, self-centered people looking to do the same thing a different way. Right. So you only get like one out of it's like a church or anywhere else. You'll you'll get one person who really grasps what they're doing here and says, This is great and practices that. The problem is if you try to predict who else is gonna do it or whatever. So sometimes it's kind of lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it's great. Like everybody's just doing good. There's plenty of resources, there's plenty of help for people that want it. There's a big environment for it. Sometimes it's it's crazy, but I just keep doing it anyway because it's good practice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's the the um the near death experience thing mm-hmm. is crazy. You know, they I think there's like studies that say that the pineal gland in your forehead yeah. releases yeah. like chemicals yeah. in your brain that helps, helps you, you see lights it. and all that. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah. A, it's like a psychic psychedelic trip or something. I've heard that. I've heard and but I've never experienced that from. I've done a lot of psychedelics. <laughs> I've never got that. You know what I mean? Not to that level. That was so awesome. Like it was so comforting hmm. and, uh, and it's, it's a kind of a thing that I don't need anything else to know that, that everything is cool. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Interesting. Like, yeah. So it's my own little personal thing. I don't, I don't even bring it up unless somebody asks, but, but it's, um, it's just something that happened. I stumbled upon that tells me, give everything you got. Yeah. with anything you're doing and just live to your potential. Cause it's all fine yeah. anyway. Yeah. 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 Or you could take it like, Oh, we're going to, you That's know, it's incredible. Man. Yeah. That's if, incredible. Yeah. What, uh, what do you say to kids growing up the way you did in environments that you did, um, headed down the path that you were headed down who seek out, seek out advice or don't like, what do you say to them and how do you get through to them? Um, anything, anything great. <laughs> So if you're in a shit position or you're in a, you're in a position where you want to grow or you just want to be able to be you, anything that anything different is going to come through unfamiliar means. So you have to be okay with humility and, and overcome your fear and that everyone has that fear. Mm. Everyone, you're not unique. You're not special in that sense. Like you, you get to experience your share of it. There are some people that hide it well and make you think they're in way more control uh, than they really are. So so don't let that deter you from, you know, because if I could have been so much smarter, if I just would say, I don't know, (laughs) I don't know that I just been using that for like 10 years now. I, I don't know. And it works great for learning. But yeah, it does. yeah, yeah, and, and you don't have to act smart. No, act dumb. Nah, you learn yeah. more. And I used to just keep my mouth shut. Like, man, I don't know, and I'm afraid to ask because you look like you know this stuff naturally. You know what I mean? Right. And a lot of them are faking. Some are, yeah. you know, intelligent people, whatever. Right. But here's the thing: if you're a kid growing up, don't let nothing fear you to not express where you're at. 
like in this moment. And if, if you got people around you, like it kind of sucks. Cause when you're a kid, you're kind of thrown in with a lot of stuff. Like I got, I got, uh, I don't know if I should speak about that. Cause I'm working on, I'm working with somebody right now and it's still going. So, but, um, so you're kind of locked into as a kid, you have to be certain places, you know, as a minor, you have to be, sorry, no, you're good. I got to fix my butt. <clears throat> sorry about that race that (laughs) so as a as a as a person who's not independent you're locked into certain areas it doesn't mean you have to conform to everything but as far as like so if I was a kid and I was in a rough environment like I was growing up and um it was kind of crazy how I could have did it now if I look back on it is I had there was always some person that's like a I used to call them like do-gooders or I didn't even know what they were at the time. It's like all of a sudden I'm hanging out with this person going to these places. I've heard some horrible stories about that, but I've had good people that one person out of all the mess would show up and say, Hey, you want to go to this monster truck thing or whatever? And what they were doing was trying to help me. And I didn't even know I needed help. When I look back on it now and I help a lot of uh, people, I realize there's always that one person around that you can talk to. It's just, you don't see them being helpful to you. You know what I mean? But they got 30 or 40 trips around the sun. They got tons of experience. So you don't open your mind to the fact that you could be, you don't know everything you think, you know, this guy is willing to show you that mm-hmm. it's okay to not know everything. Yeah. And so, but that gets tricky. Cause like all the fear they put on these um, shows and there's like all kinds of crazy shit, but I got people sometimes that, you know, put their kids in my um, pretty much my, you know, to take care of them. Or just like help them learn the stuff, like kind of like these guys did for me different times in my life, mm-hmm. and uh, and um, so if they have a person like that, it doesn't matter who they are if they're willing to listen and share their experience with living. You know, I tell these kids, man, try to try to use that. You know what I mean? Try to use that. I had to do it with my nephew uh, a few years back. I kind of had uh, custody of him. Uh, 12 year he was at the time he was nine and um there were so many things i had to work through with him and then you know even to this day now now his dad's there doing a great job and and helping him work through now but at one time it was you know i had to figure this out and uh and it was tough you know what i mean but he learned that he can come to me and he does he decompresses he'll say let's take a ride and we'll go take a ride in the truck and he'll just start blabbing about everything and i just let him go and go and go you know what i mean and um and the reason being is he's decompressing you know what i mean and i don't need to judge it i don't need to stop him or correct him i wait and then there's a question at the end of it so what do you do if this happens you know what i mean and i just answer it and i don't pay any mind to uh dramatically acting over some crazy words he might say or whatever You know what I mean? I just kind of let them get it all out. So if you got a guy like that, I've been able to do it with my nephews. I got a couple of them. You know, one's now he's a a 50% partner in the moving business. You know, he's doing great. I mean, I couldn't be prouder of all my nephews. But uh, so so luckily, I didn't know when I was doing this turnaround. So here's the biggest thing. If you fight your demons, you turn that around inside of you, you're automatically a help every time you show up. Because 
two things. One, you're mastering yourself, so you're not all crazy, so you're not contributing to the problems. Two, you know how to get out of all these problems. Right. So it's not. I'm not telling you something that I didn't do. Right. That was the difference between growing up and hearing and hearing actors say, because they were all actors. Yeah. They didn't really go inside first, and right. it's not their fault. Nobody's to blame for that. But, but I found out that that's not enough. You know what I mean? And I was willing mm-hmm. to go to any lengths to find out why is this bothering me so much that what you say and what you're doing is two different things. Right. I didn't know why it bothered me so much, but it always, I can always prove that what you're saying is not the truth in your life. So why are you giving it to me? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and in that sense, I was really sharp because I could see that in a second and I lost hope in, in people. Right. Yeah. So I did that at an early age and, um, and what I didn't know was that they're just trying to make it, you know what I mean? And so I just took it like everybody's full of shit. Just, mm-hmm. you know, lie, whatever you got to do, get back to living in your head where it's safe. Right. You know? Yeah. That's fascinating, man. Hmm. Well, thank you very much for coming in on here and sh- sharing your story. Where can people re- find you, reach out to you, contact you? Uh, I'm always in Southwest Florida. I mean, I've got, uh, I don't want like an open line. <laughs> I, got, okay. I got tons of people. But if if my experience is anything like a certain, like you've experienced that certain stuff, you will, you'll find me. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. if they reach out to you and they say, hey, you know, that's what happened with Julian too. Uh, some uh, good guy, you know, he, was, he had some questions and, and I was able to help. And quite a few people actually. Really? Through that. Yeah. That's and that's cool. all I really care about. I don't care about um, money, property. Pers- I work for what I need. Mm-hmm. I do this because I, I really think it's needed. And uh, I mean, you probably can't even. I, from my description, I can't figure out what exactly I do other than stay out of the way of good and try to help good. Yeah. Yeah. That's about it. So I don't know what they call that, but it's an inspiration, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You definitely, you're definitely that. I appreciate it, man. That's awesome. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of people that get impacted. They, what I hear the most is if you can do it, I can do it. Right. And that's what I, that's the truth. Anybody can, can turn their life around if they can realize their solutions not coming from, you know, kind of like uh, Einstein, one of those smart guys said, mm-hmm. you can't get out of a problem with the same thinking that you got into the problem or something like that. I'm murdering, right. but know, you I get know. what I mean. Yeah. 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 So if you can get an open mind enough to say, you know what? That guy was there. I felt like I was there. He's here. And that lines up, then you'll, you'll find me or you'll find a guy like me. And if you really think I can help, then, you know, mm-hmm. just reach out to you and I'll, I'll call them. Awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks again for doing this. It was fascinating, and I really enjoyed it. Cool. Cool. All All right, right, man. Goodbye, everybody. All right. Take care.